Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your podcast, I say 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. I don't know. I, I inherited the title. Anyway, it's your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts, and boy, did we have a lot of that last week. Emphasis on the w- wacky. Yeah, there was wackiness, there was wonderfulness, there was a lot of meh in places, so... Uh, yeah, some big news, some big fights got announced, uh, some fights happened, there's, you know, I don't ask for much from the MMA gods at this point, I really try not to, but next week's main event, just please hold together, please, the thought of Gagey and Barboza violence is sustaining me at this point in my life, so we'll be getting into all of that. And then all the news. Again, there's a lot of news. Um, So first up, we're going to be reviewing UFC on ESPN Plus 6, which was last night's card. Um, It was a card. Not a lot good on it. Um, The main event. Thank heavens for that main event, because the rest of that event was kind of just bleh. Uh, We'll also, again, preview ESPN, the UFC on ESPN 2 event, which is next week. Which has some pretty good fights on. Again, the main event's great. Uh, and there's a few others on it that are pretty good. So we'll get into all that. And then, of course, news. There's a lot of it. Some of it pretty darn big. Uh, but you already heard him. He's back after we had some, just some scheduling issues last week. But Jeff Harris is back here with us again. Jeff, it is nice to have you back. How you doing? It's nice to be back. I'm glad my taxes are done. Tax season is officially over for me. Woo-hoo. So I'm glad to just have that off my plate. So I can enjoy WonderCon in peace. And I'm just happy to be back to talk about fights with you. Fresh off my exclusive interview with Vince Russo. So just going to plug that a little early. You can check out the audio and some of the clips now. The full interview uh, will be available. Well, the full the full transcript interview will be available later in the evening. Um, and yeah, so and now we but now we have. Uh, UFC Fight Night 148 or UFC on ESPN uh, Plus 6, whatever numbers. I don't even know what number system we're going by anymore, but that was the fight card last night. What a successful debut for Anthony Pettis moving up to welterweight. Um, One of the greatest knockouts of his career by far. Yeah, Pettis doesn't have a lot of genuinely great knockouts. Uh He's a spectacular striker, I'm not trying to say otherwise, but if you look at a lot of his great finishes, I mean, he has the head kick over Joe Lozon that's pretty great, the body kick over Cerrone, but he tends to submit people more often than he knocks them out when he gets to the elite level, you know, I mean, he's submitted. He's a striker, he has some fairly strong submission victories in his background, because look, look, first man to finish, uh, Gilbert Melendez, that was by submission, first man to... Well, not the fir- first man in the UFC to finish Benson Henderson. I, I think Benson had one, might have had one submission loss before that, right? Yeah, there was a technical submission due to an anaconda choke earlier in his career that I yeah. can't find video of, but I've heard was a dubious kind of stoppage. But that was the first loss of his Zufa UFC WEC career. Um, for, and that was by submission... And, but even the fight with the Showtime kick with Benson, that was not a knockout. That was he won that fight by decision. So, yeah. 
considering he's a he's a striker and he's a taekwondo striker most of his signature wins are by submission so this was a this so to beat a top ranked welterweight by a knockout like this is pre, it's a pretty good feather in his cap it's a pretty good uh win to have on his resume yeah, the fight itself uh, was really not going Pettis's way. He was getting pieced up a little bit by Thompson between sidekicks to the body, leg kicks. Uh, Thompson showed off a really nice jab. He busted up Pettis's nose and uh, upper lip. He was bleeding, I mean, not hugely, but he was wearing it. Then in the closing seconds of round two, Pettis just finds a single opening, lands a Superman punch, and with one punch, knocks out Stephen Thompson. I. Uh, First time Thompson's ever been finished. And neither is never count when you have a veteran like that who's a former champion, you can never completely count him out a hundred percent. No, especially in uh combat sports, because I'm gonna paraphrase Jack Slack here very briefly. In any other sport, the underdog is the underdog and largely loses because you're there for the duration. You know, football, be that American, football or soccer. You don't see too many major upsets because you might pull you might, you know, pull a trick play here or there, but you're stuck there for four quarters, for two halves, plus extra time. You're stuck there for the duration. That's not true in combat sports, especially ones that have knockouts as a component. If you're really good, you only have to fool a much better opponent once. And that can be all it takes. And that's all it took for Pettis last night because, again, he was losing pretty badly. I mean, he was having success. He was doing a good job of kicking Stephen Thompson's trailing leg whenever Thompson would circle. But he wasn't finding a ton of success. And Thompson was, I mean, frankly, Thompson looked better than he has in quite a while. He was very active. And then he just, but Pettis found a bit of an opening. A sidekick from Thompson didn't quite land the way he wanted it to. And Pettis... Again, Superman punch, knockout, uh, one blow, just uh, absolutely spectacular finish from Pettis. Uh, I think Pettis said he would like a rematch with uh, Dos Anjos up with Rafael Dos Anjos at welterweight. Uh, they just announced Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee as for uh, an upcoming event. I forget whether I can't remember if that was at lightweight or welterweight. I assume welterweight at this point. Uh, given how bad the weight cut to light, how strenuous the weight cut is to lightweight for Lee. Uh, I'd be down for the rematch. Frankly, I don't think it, being at welterweight gives Pettis a better chance. I think he, I think Dos Anjos is just a nightmare matchup for him, stylistically. But Pettis needed a win pretty badly. Uh, he got a win. He seems to think he'll stick around welterweight, and I imagine he will stick to that line until he runs into another big either pressure striker or grindy wrestler who will exploit the weaknesses that he's had for the last 10 years of his career. At which point he'll be stuck in limbo again. But uh, for the for a one-off fight, for it, this was good. This was high-level stuff from both guys and a very, very spectacular finish. So... Credit to, you know, credit to both guys for that and credit to Stephen Thompson for... I mean, a for taking the fight because I this is this is this was basically the worst possible outcome for him. You just had the guy who beat you twice in title fights lose the belt. Thompson's frankly a Usman is a better matchup for 
uh, Thompson than Woodley is. I might actually favor Thompson just given how Usman fights. It's it's not that Usman's bad. It's just how those styles match up. And now he just got I knocked out. Pointed as a future world champion. He's now backed on back to back losses. Yeah, he's never it's winning. He's in a bit of a rough spot right now. This is going to not knock him down, pro- I mean, conceivably out of the top five. Almost certainly. Welterweight's, uh, welterweight's too competitive a division for... Does have that, he does have that one win over Masvidal going for him after the two fights with Woodley. So he has that, and, and Masvidal's just beat Darren Till. So it just goes to show... This game is not absolute. This is not a sport of absolute, Robert. It, it just is, it is very infrequently. There's very very few times you can get to an absolute. I mean, we we like to say it is, and a lot of pundits and commentators. <laughs> sorry, can't talk today. A lot of pundits and commentators like to think it is, and like to think there are these fighters that are absolute, but they aren't. It it just doesn't work that way in MMA math doesn't work and it almost never has for any fighter in any combat sport unless your name is Floyd Mayweather which even with Floyd Mayweather let's not deny a lot of it was due to convenient matchmaking wouldn't you agree it was appropriate career management I mean I don't think I don't think Floyd ever ducked anyone I think he made yes, sure to fight them did. when it was at did. when it was at his most advantageous to do he so. He did duck. He ducked Pacquiao. He yes. didn't duck Pacquiao. Yes, he did. You know he did. No, he took. There was another fight he took in place of the Pacquiao fight, and he and he was also very Pacquiao, clear that when Pat the Pacquiao fight was there, he did everything he could to weasel out of that fight. He told Pacquiao he'd fight him if he'd submit to strict to stricter drug testing, and Pacquiao said no. That's not that's not how it works. I'm sorry. That's he what happened. That's that, that was the primary bone of contention was Floyd accused Pacquiao of being yeah, on they, steroids. And then, and then who did he fight? He fought um, Sugar Shane, didn't he? Or he took no, some, somebody else. He took it, some really dumb over the hill matchup that was ridiculous. Uh, he fu- oh, we're, he- we're doing blood. T- we're doing advanced blood testing for this. Look, look at us being so progressive. Yeah, I'm just saying, if Pacquiao really wanted that fight at that point in time, that's that was the only hurdle presented. Look, he should have taken the fight when it was there. It's that simple. Yeah, he took it when he took it, and he made more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime to do it. And he won convincingly. I think the the fight should have happened in 2000, 2009 or 2010 is when that fight should have happened. And we're seeing the same thing now with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Same same BS. Yeah, that that's getting old in a hurry. I mean, I maintain that Wilder's the one ducking that fight because Wilder knows he'd lose badly. Well, whoever, whoever. The, that's that's. Those are two of the re- most relevant heavyweights in boxing right now. You would two, of the, two of the three, yeah. Two of the three, them and Tyson Fury. And I mean, Tyson Fury that, got that screwed. That is one of the biggest heavyweight fights you can make right now. So, so maybe it is maybe it is effective career management, as you would say, to avoid taking a loss. But I mean, no, especially me, in boxing, especially in boxing. To me, to me, effective career management is making the biggest fight possible of that era. 
Uh, no, that's effective sport management, not well, career management. I mean, what does Floyd Mayweather care about I the mean, state of boxing? To me, to me com- career management is getting the most money possible out of the fight, not necessarily avoiding a loss. Yeah, and that's what Flo- I I think Floyd and Pacquiao made as much money as it was ever going to make. I don't think if it happens in uh, I don't think if it happens any earlier it, it improves the buy rate that much. I I disagree. I highly disagree. I mean as as much as that thing sold, there's like it you, could it, I think it could had they done it before, I think it could have been even bigger. I I doubt it. I I mean at, at that point you're just butting up against like the sheer number of people who are if going to be interested. Opinion, in I, it. Mean, I mean considering you I mean, considering at one point you said Stephen Thompson was going to be UFC champion, and yeah, you I was wrong, and you at once anointed you at once anointed Rafael dos Anjos as one of the greatest lightweights ever. I still think there's an argument he's one of them. Well, no, and then I mean, and granted, I thought this way as well. We all thought Ronda Rousey was just going to dominate the UFC women's bantamweight division for as long as she was around. Boy, nobody saw that flame out coming. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you didn't. I, I said nobody did, and that, that absolutely includes me. Well, so that's my point. This is not a sport of absolutes. Now, again, there's almost, there's almost no absolutes. Like, you can occasionally get to a singular point of contention that maybe is an absolute, but almost never. You know what? Every... When everyone thought Fedor was never going to lose, that's when Fedor lost to Fabrizio Verdun. Then he went on that losing streak. So it's just this is it's a sport of matchups where no matter how good or how skilled we think a fighter is or how much they're on top of it, depending on how a fight goes, they can still lose. Any fighter can lose on any given night. I truly believe that. Uh, yeah, almost okay. without exception. Now, look. This is not like a, a situation of under the right circumstances, Ronda Rousey can beat Cain Velasquez. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in a situation where you have a guy like Anthony Pettis, who's a former UFC champion, Still has still has uh, some good years left in him, probably. At least a few, like let's say three to five if he's lucky, right? He's thirty-one, yeah, three to five. So yeah, has been in there with some of the best in the world. Former champion has a very good striking base, fairly good off of his back. Has some good submissions, uh, considering it's not his base. You cannot you you have to take those matchups seriously at some point. Now, understandably, if Anthony Pettis were to fight Diego Sanchez tomorrow, I think you and I would probably both pick Anthony Pettis, right? Yeah, I, yes, I can't pick Sanchez over anyone in the okay. UFC. Okay, I mean, I mean, don't you think? E- that matchup, considering Pettis' own flaws and drawbacks, Sanchez might have a de- you know a decent chance to possibly win by decision or some such. Don't you? Or convince the judges at least. Don't you think? Uh, when Diego was in his prime, yes. Okay. 
I mean, prime Diego just based on kind of on but how he fights. But is Pettison is prime now. I'm not even sure. He's a little bit on the downside of his prime, but he's still – he hasn't – I don't think he's in his decline yet, but he's approaching the downside. I kind of felt Pettis was on his decline going into this fight because, look, look at his record. Okay. Yeah, he's he's not, been trading wins and losses not terrible, recently. terrible, but he's been trading wins and losses a lot. Considering – Considering he's not even 32, or, or excuse me, he just recently turned 32. Turn, turned 32 in January. For a long time, it was, for, for quite a while, Robert, it looked like Pettis had peaked fairly early. Yeah, he went on that three-fight skid, had to try and revitalize himself at featherweight, and that didn't go so well. <laughs> because he won his first major uh, world title. Let's see. Almost 10 years ago. So in December 2010, so at that point, he would have been eight years. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, only John Jones, I think, was... 23. I think John... I don't even think John was 22 when he won the belt, was he? No, John was 23 when he won the UFC title. Okay. But I mean... My point is, that's how crazy good and athletic Pettis was. Yeah, he, I mean, we were even, all kind of convinced Max he was going to be the man. Even, even Max Holloway needed a little more time and a little seasoning before he, he became a champion at a fairly young age as well. Yeah. Um, but it was a good fight. On paper, it was a good fight, and it turned out to be a good fight. Um. Some people are upset about the post, the extra shots Thompson took. Do you have anything to say on that? Uh, the ref was a little slow. At this, I mean, yeah, I, I would agree the ref was a little slow. I don't think it was egregious. I can't, I can't fault Pettis for continuing. Uh, you go until the ref stops you. If yeah. the ref is slow, the ref is slow. And I think the ref was a touch slow in this instance. But Herb Dean wasn't really on the ball there. I think it was Herb Dean, correct? I don't remember. I recall it being Herb Dean. He was a touch. He was a touch uh, slow to come in to stop the fight, and we've seen fights continue after and after uh, knockdowns like that, haven't we? Yeah, there have been some. So it's a little different in a submission situation, but usually in a situation like that, it's in a fighter's best interest to continue until the ref steps in. Now, there are situations where sometimes you've seen a fighter stop and they, they know it's over. Um, like Mark Hunt will just walk off or, or whatever, but not all. It, it's not ap That's not absolute either. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, and, and thank heavens for this fight because... We're about to get into some rough territory here, guys. Uh, Your co-main event. Curtis Blades defeated Justin Willis for unanimous decision 30-27, 30-26, and 30-25. Two future UFC title contenders in action here. Uh, the sad thing is you're pro that's like that's probably accurate given how that, that's why I said given how crappy heavyweight is. <laughs> um look, I'm not heavyweights. I'm not the biggest fan of Curtis Blades, but he's good at what he does. He's a good wrestler. He has very heavy top control. 
He has very good mat returns. And good takedowns. I mean, the only here's the reality. The only guy who's beaten him is Francis Ngannou. And just given how he fights and the state of the rest of the division, I don't have a I think Blades is a pretty heavy favorite against everyone else in that division who isn't DC, Stipe, or or the aforementioned Francis Ngannou. What about Junior? I I, I love Junior, but I I, I agree. Know. I think he would he would probably give Junior some problems, don't you agree? Yeah. I think he would give Junior some real problems. At the same time, Blades isn't exactly great on his I mean he's not bad on his feet, but he's not great. I think the boxing the boxing might be a problem for for Curtis. Yeah, and Junior has really good hips. He has really good takedown defense. He's good at uh, you know, escaping. Uh if he gets Japanese fight except those last two fights with Kane. I mean, even those, he was, even, like, if you look at, you know, the fourth and fifth rounds of both fights, he was still getting out from under Kane, and that's after taking a beating. He's very well schooled in that respect. He just couldn't get away from Kane after he got up. I would, I would probably give, I would probably lean a little bit towards Curtis, but, I mean, again, anyone else in that division, apart from those guys, I mean... I think he's probably favored rather heavily against them. Uh, the, show, the show apparently did a decent attendance. Apparently they got 10,000 people, but the gate was under a million dollars. But Yeah, this that's an odd number for them. They normally do better than that at the gate. I wonder what the... Well, it was an ESPN Plus. It was a digital card. And there wasn't a lot, let's be honest, there wasn't a lot of intrigue here outside of the, the main event. I mean, even including the main event, which again, turned out good. And I think when they announced but, it, a lot of us just kind of went, huh? Well, but, has, well the, Uf- the UFC has brought weaker cards to other venues and done right. more money than that. So I don't, maybe they wound up discounting tickets for some reason. I mean, Curtis, I mean, Curtis Blake. You know what it might have been? I mean, this does needs to be said. The uh, the March Madness tournament is going on. There might just have been a, lo- well, a lower turnout because other people people were just doing other things. It is, also, it is Nashville. I mean, eh, Nashville's not that. Still, bad. still, I think ten thousand means they probably the the tickets were probably lower lower priced, and they probably had a good walk up attendance. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you... Uh, Justin Willis kind of goes back down in the rankings after this, um, but uh, this was just not a good fight. Uh, Blade said he wants either uh, Stipe or Junior, or I think he mentioned someone else whose name is escaping me. Uh, he wants one of those, like, one of those guys... I say give it to him, if the, if you can work it out. I have no problem with him fighting against Junior or Stipe. I like the junior fight, but I think we I think we need to see how things are going to pan out with the heavyweight division. I think I th- the general consensus, maybe not consensus. The feeling I'm getting is they're waiting for WrestleMania next month, and then they're hoping to make, or Dana White is hoping and praying, he's going to get a call or text from Brock Lesnar to say the fight with Daniel is on. And possibly going to book that. And then we can move forward with the rest of the division. Yeah, there is that giant 
I mean, it's heavyweight, so you're not exactly log jamming a deep division. Right. But, but there does still need to be a sense of continuity. and. But the good news is, I mean, Junior is kind of on the upside right now. I'm not saying he's back, but he's looking He's on, what, back. a three, three or four fight winning streak now? I think it's three. three. Fight winning streak. He's looking the best he has in years, really. And he so. seems to have he seems to have found himself again a little bit. So Kane's kind of Kane's kind of he just lost and so he's kind of out of the picture right now. So there you go. Who would have thought that yeah, I mean after the third fight between Junior and Kane, who would have thought that, you know, in 2019 Junior would be the one closer to another title shot? I never expected Kane would just I mean, he did his bot uh, I mean, he didn't even really, like, self-destruct in the cage. He lost to Verdum, but then he was just gone for so long. Before the fight with Verdum, he was, go- he was out for two years. Yeah he, was out, yeah, he was out for a long time prior to that. Loses to Verdum, and, you know, there's no shame in that. Fabricio Verdum's a darn good fighter. And then he's out for another couple of years. Like, he just... Ah, yeah, I just... I... I after the after the trilogy with Junior, I thought, okay, it's going to be Kane. It, it is even when Kane first won, I thought he was going to hold on to that belt for a long time. We all then, did. Uh, then he lost it right off the bat to Junior. Junior has his little run, and then Kane wins it back. I'm like, okay, now Kane is going to break the the title defense record, and then he loses it to Verdum. Constantly gets hurt, even while he was champion. So. I just didn't anticipate that. Um, yeah, that body not holding up. That was an odd series. Of, that's an odd twist in there. You know, the story of the rivalry between those two. The junior might be the one. Might wind up in some respects getting the last laugh. And look, junior. I mean, junior had his issues too. Oh yeah, he suffered all those knockout defeats, and he had that that um, run in with Usada. So. I think we can just do quick hits for the rest of this card. I don't think we need to, unless you have any. No, we can do that for the rest commentary. of this card. This was, this was yeah. anything I want to say, I'll say about these when we go over them. Uh, John McDessie defeated Jesus Pinedo via unanimous decision. Man, John to... McDessie's still, he's still plugging away. Credit to him for that, man. Uh, he is, I can't remember where I saw this, but I saw it and I can't unsee it. He's like, uh, if you go back to, you all remember the like the, the trope that the evil twin is the one with like the goatee or the mustache? Yeah. He's evil Artem Lobov in terms of his physical <laughs> body. Not in terms of his skill set, but in terms of just his body structure. <laughs> Somebody pointed this out, like the ratio of his arms to his torso and, I, if you gave and me kind a of his face. If you gave me a side photo, I might see it, but I never noticed that before. God, it, it just kind of struck me as, I mean, again, they're not like identical twins or anything, but, you know, there might be something there. Um, That fight was kind of slapped together at the last minute. Both McDessie and Pinedo had different opponents. McDessie was supposed to fight Nasrat Hakparast, which would have been a good fight. And Pinedo was supposed to fight Chris Grutzmacher. Hakparast and Grutzmacher wound up pulling out of their bouts due to injury. The UFC tossed them together. Not a good fight. I mean, it... I, I'll give both guys a little bit of a pass on this in the general sense that, I mean, Jesus Pinedo and Nasrat Hakparast could not be more different fighters. So try preparing for one of them and then getting the other one at the last second is, there's a lot of kind of on-the-fly adaptations that 
McDessie probably had to deal with. Fight still Formiga beat Davison Figueredo. And thus ends the flyweight division. Are they going to keep Formiga and let him try to fight it out at Bantamweight? Probably. Like, there, there's two major things, I think, that, well, at the I moment mean, there is one Formiga, thing. That's not a good thing. Now, there's At the moment there is one thing, and one thing only, that is kind of keeping the flyweight division... And even in limbo, all right? I think going into this fight, if either of them won in impressive fashion, especially Figueredo, because he has these, you know, flashy knockouts, the UFC might have tried to convince Cejudo to defend the belt against him. But there's two things working against Formiga here. (coughs) One, this fight was not... Look, I like Formiga. I do. On the ground, that man is smooth as butter. And he t- was the first guy to beat Figueredo, took on a dangerous opponent, and shut him down pretty consistently. And he's won his last four. Four, again, yeah, four in a row. He's had a couple of finishes along the way in there. He is, I believe, the number one contender, all things considered. There's, there's Again, there's two things working against him. One, no one cares about him. Two, he's already lost to Henry Cejudo. And that and that's in three, he's a flyweight. Well, I mean, just as far as getting a title shot at flyweight. Well, he's a flyweight. So, yeah, then. But, th- but that's the problem. He's a natural flyweight. Yeah, he's not. This is your he's... future in the UFC if you're Husier Formiga and you move up to Bantamweight. That's it's... not much of a future, is it? It's middle of the pack at best. Because he's not. He's not even a, I wouldn't even call him a big flyweight, right? He's not. No, he's not a big flyweight. He doesn't cut a whole, I mean, he cuts weight to make flyweight, but he's not one of those guys. Like, that, frame is probably best suited for flyweight. Yeah. I would completely agree with that. Um, the other thing are they that's going to, are they just going to continue booking flyweights and just trash about, I mean, I think they're just. They're just going to kind of play out what they have. Their policy thus far seems to have been we cut the flyweights who lose and the ones who win just kind of sit on the shelf until we sort out what's going on. That seem that that again, that's not the entire modus operandi going that forward. But cut Figueredo? They cut Dustin Ortiz after that fight with uh, uh, Benavidez. I mean, wouldn't you want to at least keep Davison Figueredo and maybe let him fight up a, a weight class at least? I would, but I'm me. I'm not the UFC. I mean, ugh. rough business. This is this is a rough business, Robert. It is. It I'm really glad I, is. I'm glad I am not an MMA fighter. Uh, it is brutal. This is, it is. It's one of the most brutal sports out there, and, and not just in and not just in the cage. Look, it's brutal in the cage. It's brutal on the business side of things where someone like Dana White, and I, Barrett, let me be clear. I'm a capitalist. I don't care that Dana's making, you know, $50 million a year over seven years or whatever it is. No one's asked him because he just signed a contract extension for another seven years. Right. Look, if da- and Dana's an incredibly valuable piece of the UFC machinery. If that's what everyone thinks he's worth and that's what he's getting paid, fair play. Like, okay. Okay. The fact that, the highest paid UFC athlete is making less is making like less than a quarter probably of what he makes well, a year. Isn't that, isn't that generally the same for a lot of sports? No. 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 <laughs> uh, 
unless you're talking about because the UFC is structured a little bit differently. How much does how much does the average um, MLB owner make a year for like a big money team? Okay, so I, I was comparing Dana White to a different position within the team structure. Let me, I, I will, I will rephrase I mean, this a little bit. If you want to, ca- if you want to cast Dana White in the position of you know owner of a you know a Robert Kraft, and I don't mean that just because sex scandal. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Robert. Yeah, again, pick one. If you want to cast him in that range, NFL owners make more because they also. What's well, the Dana was partial owner at one point. He probably is still a very minority owner. I mean, I, I suppose my bigger gripe is just the level of disparity between okay. those two points. But eh. I mean, look, if fighters aren't going to do right. anything I about mean, it, I'm not going to get on my high is, horse about it. I, uh, I I'm not. I think fighters probably should unionize or get something, but that's up to them. It is. It's I, up to the UFC to to say, okay, we're gonna. We're gonna. We're not gonna voluntarily give up fifty percent of television revenue to you guys. Right. You want it, you have to take it. Right now, I mean, we're getting we're getting we're going on a tangent here, but well, I, I there's something about that I want to say that I kind of want to save for later. But. Okay. Well, when we're done, uh, when we get into the news, because again, Dana did sign as also. An, I, so, I I gotta say, I am so sick of Louis Pena. Luis like, Pena, yeah, he defeats Steven Peterson via like, an animus decision. All I hear decision. about this guy is that he looks like Bob Ross, and people go crazy. Like, what is it about this guy? I don't get it. I he personally for this fight. He's six and one. He's two and one in the. He's two and one in the UFC. What, like, I don't get it. I'm with you. I got do a not Bob get Ross it. Afro. I mean, what is the? What's what am I missing here? I don't get it either. I mean, this was not a very good fight. Um, Steven Peterson is like Steven Peterson qualify passes like the Homer Simpson qualification for fighting. He can take a punch and I, I can, I can appreciate that. I really can. Uh, so I can appreciate someone who can get hit in the Locked head the punches with his head and not fall over, <laughs> but he never really got anything going here. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I imagine Pena will. I don't know that. I mean, he missed weight here by a non-trivial amount. Uh, I would probably make him go back up to lightweight. I mean, dude's like six three. You know, he's he shouldn't be fighting at featherweight. Doesn't uh, look like a featherweight. No, he he does not. And I mean, this wasn't a very good fight. Pena's a bit gimmicky, and that will work okay against the level of opposition he's fought so far, but. I mean, if you, I think the way fighters got out of, got around the whole weight cut thing before, I guess, was the IV system. Really? It, uh, it probably helped. I mean, in fairness, it is designed to simply rehydrate you faster. And But the amount of guys who were just cutting such insane amounts of weight, because, I, I mean, guys were, guys were missing weight before you saw to step in and banned IVs. But, yeah, it, did ha- it did happen. But it became more widespread after adding the IVs in the early wanes. Yep. It, yeah. or, excuse I'm, me, the IV, adding the IV ban. The early morning weigh-in thing kind of was around the same time and definitely, I think, contributed as well. So uh, Pena, I just don't think, is a 
featherweight. I don't think he can make that weight. I don't think they should let him try. Okay. Was but, the uh, was the Macy Barber Aldrich fight? Um, what did you think of that? Uh, this was okay. This was a this was pretty solid, all things considered. Um, Barber needs a lot of refinement. He was getting a ton of hype going into this fight as well. Yeah, I mean, she's undefeated. She's young. She's an attractive woman. She can fight. She's got a lot of grit. She's got a lot of violence within her. And then she spends the first round getting pieced up by just solid fundamentals from J.J. Aldrich. All Aldrich did was properly manage distance, throw straight punches. And she gave Barber a lot of problems doing that. In the Well... It, <laughs> then you know, then Barber finally is able to close a bit of distance in the second, lands a couple of nice elbows from the clinch, and then just kind of surprises her with a straight left, right? I believe it was a straight right. Here's what I would do with Barber. Going forward, you know, if you want to keep her as a prospect, you kind of have – you can't give her the high-level matchups yet. You have to kind of bring her along a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think she's ready for the top of the division right now. But Not at all. But she she has a lot of power. She has a very good finishing yeah, instincts, and there's there's a lot there's a lot to be positive about going forward with her. But there's a lot of refinement that still has to happen as well. That was this was probably one of the better fights last night, all things considered, on the main card. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, the main card was again the main card was pretty lackluster. I think your mileage will vary individually as far as Barbara and Aldridge or say uh, or Formiga and Figueredo, depending on what you like watching. But out of the main card, yeah, it was like those two in the main event, and the rest of it was just kind of bleh. Uh, on the prelims, Bryce Mitchell defeated Bobby Moffitt for unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Bobby Moffitt, man, he gave this fight away in the last minute of the third round. Uh, shame. Uh, Lower-level stuff, all things considered, between these two, but uh, they both came to fight. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. Uh, Marlon Vera defeated Frankie Sines via TKO in the first round. Marlon Vera's a bit. Marlon Vera's improvement since his UFC debut is pretty darn impressive. This guy went from a also ran on a season of Tough Latin America and had some setbacks in the UFC, but he's put in the work and he's improved himself tremendously. I I mean he's a He's, I don't think he's a top 15 guy right now, but he's on the fringes of that. And watching him going forward, is he's definitely someone to watch. Uh, Jennifer Maya defeated Alexis Davis for unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Uh, not bad. Uh, Alexis Davis had some success with her kicking but anytime Maya was able to kind of close distance and get this in get this fight into boxing range she was doing well she hurt Davis pretty badly with a body shot in the second in the first rather excuse me and just never went back to the body consistently again which was kind of a shame uh, in the second round Davis got things into kind of proper kickboxing range and had more success there and then the third round was a bit of a firefight so i mean again not bad but nothing terribly great uh, Randa Marcos defeated Angela Hill via armbar in the first round. Uh, credit to Marcos for this one because armbars from the back are... I understand they're risky in MMA, riskier in MMA than even in jiu-jitsu, where they're still kind of risky. 
Uh, but they're an underutilized tool. There's not a lot of people who threaten arm bars from the back even. Uh, I mean, Gilbert Burns does it and is one of the few guys that will do it. Damian Maya will on occasion. I think the problem is is that the, not always, but the general perception is if you're on your back, you're losing. Yeah, and you can't... Always, you ideally don't want to be on your back in a fight because the judges might score that against you. Unless that. you're able to have a lot of activity off your back. There's also that it's just harder. I mean, even taking the judges out of the equation and some of their idiocy, it's just harder to win off of your back uh, unless you have a killer yeah. guard. And so, again, I get that there's risk involved with it. I really do. That said, there's a lot more. I think even just the threat of doing it every now and then would be a great way to even open up uh, rear naked choke attempts. If you can just kind of you know attack the shoulder joint a little bit and get people thinking about it or worried about it, it will open up the ability to choke someone. Uh, in this instance, Marcos got the armbar from the back, rolled through into spider web. Hill fought that grip as long as she could, but eventually Marcos was able to extend the arm, force the tap. Uh, a, ni- a nice finishing sequence from Marcos here. I like here. Marcos, but she's so inconsistent. She's like, consistently inconsistent. Like, this has been the story of her whole UFC career, hasn't it? She's been trading wins and losses since before she got to the UFC. I mean, she's her record is nine, six and one, which is to me, not that's not a very good record. Robert. It's not. It's really not. And she's not a terrible fighter. She's managed to do enough to hang in the UFC. But to me, she's not a top, even a top 10 level fighter. See what straw weight. Yeah, I'd have to look. Let me look up the rankings actually and see if I. Here's where if she falls into the rankings, if at all, even at women's straw weight. I mean, she was ranked going into this. I think she was 15. She's 15. Ugh. No, no, she wasn't 15. Excuse me. She was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was 15. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably about fair. I don't think. She... <laughs> I, I agree. I don't think she's like full on top 10 material at the moment. I mean, even after this win, I'd I'd say she isn't. No, no, she like this just defended her spot. She's she might move up a spot or two, but, but uh, she and, never she is never won back. She's never won back to back fights in the UFC ever. In fairness, she's never lost back to back fights either. But correct, still. correct. But I mean, yeah, if all you're doing is going one and is going one for here, one for I one, mean, for here one. she went loss, draw, and win. So, yep. I mean, that's not not great. That's not that's not that's not exceptional to me. Like, that's like, OK, you've managed to hang you're managing to hang in there and she beat Angela Hill. But even Angela Hill. I think she was lucky to be in the UFC in the first place when she was. Well, she got in based on uh, that season of the Ultimate Fighter. Right. And then she was, I mean, she, she was one and oh going into that. Yeah, no, I, I think she was done a bit of a disservice. No, then, then they cut her, and she spent a fair bit of time in Invicta. And I think, I think when she came back, she had earned it. Right. But she's still, but she's struggling now. now too, and so. now she's eight and six. So, yeah. I think it's good they fought because I guess they're similar types of opponents in terms of their experience and records. But I like Ronda Marcos, but it's hard for me to get excited about her. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't do her career any favors. 
Uh, I agree with that. But let's, I mean, look, she got a submission win here. Let's see what she does next. Uh, Chris Gutierrez defeated Ryan McDonald via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. McDonald never got into this fight. Uh, Gutierrez lit him up with kicks basically the entire fight. I'm not ready to, you know, announce Chris Gutierrez is all that interesting even just yet, but he was clearly a level above Ryan McDonald in this fight. Nice. And kicking everything off, Jordan Espinosa, who despite never having fought in the UFC, was technically ranked as a flyweight in the UFC, uh, defeated Eric Shelton via unanimous decision. Just make a decision for these guys and like, so they can move on their lives already. It feels so bad for these flyweights. Yeah, I I do as well. It seems uh, cruel. it seems cruel and unusual, in a way. And it's it's on the crueler side of things, but I don't think it's unusual in the UFC. I, I mean, mean, they're getting they're getting to fight in the UFC and they're getting a paycheck. So I mean, good on that. But I mean, I mean, come on, it seems seems almost mean spirited. Uh. The two thirty twenty sevens for Jordan Espinosa are, uh, frankly, wrong. I, I don't think you can give, give Espinosa. I believe it was the last round. I mean, I had him winning the fight, but thirty twenty seven for him just uh, no. All right, so that's UFC Fight Night Nashville. Uh, yeah, it was it was an event. Uh, you can thank heavens for the main event because that saved that saved this whole right. experience. So next weekend. March. Oh, baby. We're I've been going, waiting for this one. We're going to the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. Five-round fight between UFC Barboza and Justin Gagey. UFC on ESPN2. This will be on straight-up ESPN for this. The violent matchup on paper. We have two oh. <laughs> If you guys want to know how, how, much, how high the violence potential is for this fight, there are people like me who are, just fa- who are fans of violence who have looked at this fight and said, you know, maybe we should rethink this because someone might die. Honestly, I think this is a terrible matchup for Barboza. A lot of that depends on how Gagey approaches this because... Right. If Gagey does his usual style of fighting and pressure, I think he's in trouble. I But, but pressure is has always been the Achilles heel of Barboza, Robert. It, for a yeah. while, that for a while it was just straight pressure that would do it. Recently, that's changed a little bit. Okay. Barboza has done a tremendous job over the last few years of fixing some of his issues with just straight pressure. Except He's, against Khabib. Well, even against Khabib, I, don't get me wrong, he lost that fight dominantly, but Ain't he had... Me. But he had success in a lot of what he was doing against Khabib as well. He did a very good job of stopping most of the takedowns. I think he even had some success against Ferguson, but he still he won got, that first. He won that first round. Right, I mean, but he still ultimately got overwhelmed and submitted. And this is one of the things that I think is important about this, because, again, for a while, it was just raw pressure. You could run at that guy and he wouldn't know what to do. He's changed that. OK, he's, he's fixed a lot of being able to go to the body. He doesn't just back up with his chin in the air anymore. He's got proper head position. He turns and angles on his feet. Again, watch the, if you watch the Tony Ferguson fight, which you brought up, he does a wonderful job of every time Tony really tries to crash distance on him. He will, uh, through the first round, at least he will duck, 
turn and dig to the body, which is what you're supposed to do well, in a lot of respects. Well, let's look at his last four losses. Kevin Lee, which is a doctor stoppage. Lee missed weight for that fight as well. Habib Nurmagomedov, by decision. Habib is the current champion, technic still technically. Uh, before that, Tony Ferguson. After, after that, he went on that three-fight winning streak. Had a very close, tough fight with Paul Felder. Yeah, that was a close one. Fight. And then before that, lost to Michael Johnson. So those were his last four. Um, and the Johnson fight was uh, was almost was uh, was over four years ago. So that's in the last four years. Yeah, uh, I, four losses. Yeah, I think if you look at again the the John, if you compare again since they were brought up the Johnson fight and the Ferguson fight in particular. He does the problems he has with just the pressure of Johnson are not the same problems he has with Tony Ferguson. With Ferguson, it's a combination of both pressure and the pace that he fights at. It was the same with Khabib. It, it's not just the raw pressure. It's you're always, 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 always working. Here's my issue with Barboza, though. Barboza has some very good attributes. His striking, he has a very technical striking game. When he finds his rhythm, he is just on point with his kickboxing and striking. And his kick, he has some of the most dynamic kicks of the division. I think you'd agree with that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just that he's never quite put it all together where he's really just gone on that incredible run and kept the momentum going. He always hit, he always just hits those roadblocks. He's good enough to me to sort of get into the top five or just sort of outside the top five, but not without a shadow of a doubt, say like I'm the title contender of this division. It's, it's always been that way for times when it looked, it looked like he would be like a hot commodity and he is a fairly hot commodity for the division. But to me, he's just not established himself as a title contender. He just hasn't been able to do it. Now, the key fights that, that he's always been placed into when it's been, you know, the winner of this is probably your next title challenger. Those are the ones he's lost. I mean, for, I, mean but, I mean, even even when he beat Pettis, Pettis just did not look good in that fight at all. No, that was that was one of his bigger wins. What came after that for him? Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, yeah, that was the start of his winning streak because he just lost to Tony. Then he uh, beat Pettis, Melendez, and Dariush in yeah in succession. You know, tough, tough fight. Good wins, good wins. Tough fighters, but it was still a post Usada Melendez. That was not only post Usada Melendez. It was Melendez after uh, he had a layoff going into that fight. I seem to recall Melendez. Melendez no longer caring about his career. Pretty much. Yeah. I mentally checked out Melendez. Um, I'm picking I'm, Gagey. I'm, picking I'm, I'm Gagey. leaning towards Gagey here, but again, there's there's a couple of reasons I think that if you're you really have to, there's a couple of things Gagey has to really be careful of in this. One of them is again pacing. If he's going to, because Gagey's a pressure fighter, he likes to engage in kind of the in those wars. He's got to be very mindful of his positioning relative to Barboza. He's got to be very, very mindful of where, again, like getting Barboza against the fence. Because Gage's best work is always done with his opponent in limited space. 
AJ has wrestling too. That's the other thing. He does, and if he chooses to use it, I will be shocked because that's just not who Justin Gagey is at this point. If he does point. use it, that's that's good. That's actually another good thing for Gagey because I don't think Barboza has great takedown defense. Robert, he does. He's just he just come up against exceptional wrestlers. Maybe Gagey's not the most exceptional wrestler, but I think he could give Barboza problems there. He could probably he could. I think if he does take a shot, the first one might be successful just as a, as a shock factor. So I'm trying to look at Gagey's wrestling background. Uh, he was a D1. I think it was an All-American. Yeah. So, no, let's see. Because he wrestled for, I believe it was the University of Colorado. He, like, he, was not, he was not championship level, but D1 ranked 7th, basically. And he was up there. He was, he was, a, for, there was at least one year of his collegiate career when he was, again, one of the like top, yes. one of the top eight a, guys in the a, country. He was a top 10 wrestler in his division, basically. So, yeah, which is, okay, the man can wrestle. So maybe <laughs> he's not Habib level, but he could, I think that's an area where he could give Barboza a lot of problems. If he chooses to, he can. Yes, he, he absolutely could. Uh, again, the other thing that Gagey has to really do, and again, this is its pace, because Gagey's a very uh, kind of his pace is a lot less frantic and a lot more right. just consistent. Uh, you know, but kind of the Barboza, if Barboza can find his rhythm, that is when he is the most dangerous. You would yeah, agree. and and that's uh, that would be the danger here for Gagey is in, in applying just kind of consistent, inevitable, you know, kind of like Terminator pressure. Just I'm I'm coming, and you're not going to stop me. That does, if you're not, and that kind of compared with uh, Tony Ferguson's wild, almost frantic style of pressure. If you're more on the, if you're more on the gagey school, you can give your opponent time to find those kind of reads and rhythm. I mean, that's what gave him trouble I mean, against. He's not beatable. That no. his style has its has its drawbacks. Yeah, I, again, I I do kind of favor gagey as well, but. I just want this fight to hold together because just having watched these two, I still, yeah, I still like Gagey for this fight. So I'm picking Gagey by TKO round two. Yeah, I'm picking Gagey, but if Barboza okay. wins, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I just hope it stays together and it's a good fight. That, that's really all I want. I mean, look, even if this fight does suck, which would be the most shocking thing in the world to me, is if these two get in the cage and the fight is boring. Right. Because that would be a first, frankly, for both men, all things considered. I, mean, I just want it to hold our, together. This is our second e UFC ESPN card, so it's got that going for it. Or is this yeah. the third? Yeah, no, no, it's the second. second. Yep. And we're at least we'll have a better main event than Cain Velasquez getting. <laughs> I mean, even to me, it. that's not that's not a bad. That to me, that's not a bad main event. Ideally. To me, I would rather see a quick knockout than a really long, slow, plotting fight. You know what I mean? I agree. I, that said, I am looking forward to this significantly more than I was in Ganu versus Velasquez. I, that's why I never got the complaints about the, the first Kane Jr. fight. Because, granted, I was there live and I had gotten to see Guida versus Benson Henderson. Yeah, you, if they, you saw the whole event, it was fine. If all you had was the Fox broadcast, it was just not a that's great... Why, that's why I think they really messed up by not having put Guida 
had they put Guida versus Henderson at the top of the hour, they would have been golden, you know? That yeah, that would that would have helped a lot. Year. That would have been card of the year. That would have been okay. We had top of the like beginning of the show, we have fight your fight of the year candidate, and then you have your heavyweight main event. And then I think people then I think it would have just set the tone for UFC on Fox a lot better. But a lot better than 60 minutes of talking, followed by 60 seconds of fighting, followed right. by 30 minutes of talking. Right. Which would sadly become about the average pacing for well, a UFC on. But even the then, even then, even then, I don't, re- I mean, to me, ideally you want a quick knockout, I think, in some ways. I've never been one to, to dislike a quick knockout. I just haven't. Uh, me neither. I mean, it, in that case, it was more hilarious because everyone clearly right. wanted Kane to win. Like Dana got so well, pissed about the outcome well, of that. Fight. I wasn't upset about it. I was. I, I mean, wasn't either. Surprising, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, that's your main event. It's it's great, guys. Watch this fight, please. If you can stomach the trauma these two will do to each other, well, watch David this Branch, fight. Now, David Branch is moving. I guess he's moved back down. He's trying his hand at middleweight now. Uh, he was always at middleweight. Is he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's been. He's always well, been at he middleweight. He did fight at light heavyweight well, outside. Yeah, his UFC run has been at middleweight. Okay. He sent a few people up to light heavyweight, but. <laughs> right. Um. He's fighting Jack Hermanson, who is yeah. on a two-fight winning streak. Jeez, I yeah. forgot he he beat the uh, Gerald Mearsheart. I forgot two, that five. one. So he's five and two right now. In the UFC, uh, yes. To me, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on this fight. I'm with you. I think Jack Hermanson's. I think the problem with Jack Hermanson is he's a, a lot of his style is predicated on being able to get top position, and while he can, pro- he might be able to do that against Branch. I'm not sold on his ability to do so. And I like. I mean, Branch is decent, but he's also he's also inconsistent, and he's 37, and time is not on his side. Um, hmm. I'm going with Branch, but I'm with you. This is kind of a, this is nearly a coin flip. Let's see. I'm going with Hermanson. I don't, I'm not wildly committed to Hermanson, but Branch has disappointed me a lot in the UFC. Let's just say that. That's fair. Uh, at Featherweight, Josh Emmett. This is his first fight back since the Stevens loss, right? Even like, and the reason I'm doing that with Branch, just one more thing is, that fight with Yako, come on, was horrible. Look, David Branch is a very successful fighter numerically. He is not a very entertaining fighter. Now we have... Uh, Josh Emmett returning uh, for the first time since Jeremy well, Stevens rearranged his face. And I mean that literally. Michael Johnson. Against Michael <laughs> Johnson. Johnson is fight- he's still fighting at featherweight. Um, hey, Johnson, uh, he's... he's uh, He's two and one at featherweight. You Let's talk he, about you talk about inconsistency. This is the look, guy. Look, Michael Johnson has more wins at featherweight in the last four years than he has at lightweight. He's so still who, he's still the guy who lost to Razor Madati. Yeah, I mean, he was. There was a period of time when his only win was over Dustin Poirier. I can't forget about that. Like he loses the Ultimate Fighter to Jonathan Brookins. Then one year he's going on this really he's going on this really good run and then ends the year losing to Miles Jury and then follows it up with a loss to Reza Madati. 
Yep. Um, ugh. I can't in good. Co- I can't pick Michael Johnson. He's disappointed me way too much, Robert. I can't pick Johnson either. All things considered. That said, he does not look that good at flyweight. And look, look who he beat his last fight out, Artem Lobov. Yep. I. And before that, he beat Andre Feely. I think Artem Lobov is one of the worst fighters of all time. Artem Lobov is probably the second worst fighter ever in the UFC, behind like Priscilla Cashwaya. I'm being like Samer Cotty with going, having a fit over, who was it? Um, Alex Caceres being one of the worst fighters ever, right? He's also not very good, but... (laughs) But not not the worst fighter. I think Artem... like, okay, you beat Artem Lobov. It's like, yeah. It's not it's not an emphatic victory when you beat Artem Lobov by decision. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, Lobov doesn't get finished that often, just generally. Okay. It, just by way of like, okay, it's he hardly, beat it by decision, but so does just okay, about Okay, you, you didn't lose, so good job not losing to Artem Lobov. Yeah. And then before that, he beat Andre Feely, who despite what he says is not a contender level fighter. No, um, he's not. <laughs> so I get, I lean I lean towards Emmett here, but in his featherweight debut he got submitted by um Elkins. Elkins. Yeah. So I'm picking out I'm gonna pick Emmett. Yeah, I'm gonna lean towards Emmett as well. Um that said, I mean Emmett kinda he's got a couple of like annoyingly predictable patterns that if Johnson can figure out he can crack him. Yeah, I mean, the danger zone with Johnson is always the first like three and a half minutes. If you can get through that, you're probably fine. Uh, uh, ooh, next good fight we have at straw weight, uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz and Miss and Michelle Waterson squaring up a good matchup. Now, this is pretty solid. Waterson on a two fight winning streak. I mean, OK, the Casey win wasn't great, but she beat Felice Herrig. Carolina coming off the knockout loss to Jessica Andrade. Oh, that was that was ugly. Andrade flatlined her. <laughs> yeah, she's fighting Thug Rose uh, in May. For, oh, yeah, fighting. Um, I like this fight a lot. Ugh, t- See, I, I think Waterson's probably more, a little more well-rounded and probably a better grappler. Um. Carolina's probably a better striker kickboxer or is that, or am I, or am I sliding or am I underrating Watterson's kickboxing skills? A little, but I think a lot of this is size related. Carolina's the larger, uh, is taller and longer. I mean, when I say larger, I mean, uh, she's not fat. Like she weighs, she weighs in a fight. She weighs 115 pounds when she's on well, the scale. I mean, look, Michelle, Michelle has a, she has a submission win over the current champion. Really? Yeah. Michelle beat. Pretty sure. Did Michelle oh, beat Nami right. Yunus? She lost to Nami, but she's beaten. She's beaten bigger women. Yeah, I, I think. I think my point there is, Waterson can have success at range. Part of Waterson's success is if she's at range, she's she's pretty solid there. She's uh, very dexterous, especially with her lead leg kicks. But she gets a lot of surprise takedowns off of He's got a uh, good someone crashing distance. And Carolina's best, where Carolina fights the best, is actually the clinch. She tears people up with knees when she, she gets there. Been not, and she hasn't been knocked out in 10 years. That's true. 
I'm I'm gonna go against my better judgment in some respects and lean towards Watterson. Mm. But this is this tough. is a relatively close fight. I think it's it's a very tough matchup. Yeah, it's a tough one, and it's it's the takedowns and grappling that concerns me with Carolina Robert. Yeah, she's not that great off of her back. <laughs> and if and if Waterson can time a double leg or get a surprise, you know, judo toss or hip throw, and Waterson will actually Waterson wrestle appropriately. Waterson is good at grinding out decisions too. She can, yeah, that's something she has in her, you know, back pocket. Is that all right? If I can't, if we're gonna grind then, okay, I can do this. Let's just say I can see Carolina edging this fight out, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and pick Watterson by decision. But we'll see. I'd agree with that. Uh, Paul Craig is back. Uh, He is is two and three in the UFC. He's coming off that loss to Jim Crute. Why is this fight on the card? I don't know. Um, It's on the main card. They're in Philly. Is there a big Scottish population in Philly? I don't. Let's see. <laughs> see his opponent, Kennedy uh, Nezchukwu. He's got he's a. Got to be he's Nigerian. From Dallas. And what's his? That that's an African style name. He's he's a I contender think. series fighter. So this is technically his UFC debut. Well, if they're, I mean, Paul Craig's in a weird spot where he tends to just lose like most of the time, but then we'll pull yeah. out the occasional. Yeah, he's uh, he's Nigerian. This guy, uh, Kennedy and Chukwu. Eh. Um, I'm picking Kennedy. Yeah, and I'll go with Kennedy. I don't feel committed to Paul Craig. Paul Craig's just kind of a body at this point. It's kind of how I feel about him, but. Um, at feather, impressive submission. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Shaman Marais will fight Sadiq Youssef. This is actually a pretty good fight. I um, agree. Marais is two and one in the UFC. His only loss so f- thus far is to Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Um, Youssef had this had a really emphatic UFC debut. Uh, he's got fast hands and serious power, and Marais is more of a kickboxer style, a, a you know Thai boxer kind of guy. Uh, this has some potential fireworks attached to it. I'm actually going to go with Yusuf here. I might regret that because I've kind of, I'm, I, I actually, yeah, again, I'm one of those guys who knows a bit about shame and Marais, but I, I'm going to go with Yusuf here and I'm prepared to eat my words next week if I happen to be wrong, but. I'm picking Marais. Yeah, Marais is largely underappreciated as a featherweight fighter, so it, this is a good fight. This is a good opener. All right, on to the prelims. The first three are on ESPN. The last three are on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Ross Pearson will fight Desmond Green. Uh, Ross Pearson is still in the UFC. I'm shocked Des Green is still in the UFC. He's 2-3. and three. With losses to Kabilov, Prezerish, and Pearson on a on a four fight losing, and he is one in one in five in his last six. It gets worse if you go back further. <laughs> Just I mean, for the record, his only win is over Mizuto Hirota. Oh God, yeah, I, I, I mean, Des Green's he, not a world beater, but a while he was trading wins and losses and. 
man. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can't pick Ross Pearson at this point. I just can't do it. I'm picking Desmond Green. I mean, again, Green's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But, but he's I fighting can't, Ross Pearson. He's fighting Ross Pearson. I, I can't pick Ross Pearson. I, just, I don't even hate Ross Pearson, but like. Can we get a look? Here's here's what, here's what you do with Diego Sanchez next. You do the rematch of Sanchez and Pearson, which the judges got horribly, horribly wrong like, the first Pearson time. He was always just kind of he he was on a a season of the Ultimate Fighter. He got a couple wins, but he never really established himself as a top upper level fighter. Like to me, he's below he's below mid level at this point. At this point, yeah. So, that's green. Yeah, I'll, I agree. Uh, Enrique Barzola will fight Kevin Aguilar. Aguilar's been in the UFC at least once, I think. I'm going to double check he that. Has, uh, he won a yeah, he, fight against Rick Glenn. Rick Glenn by split decision. He's on a really good overall winning streak. Jeez. Came in from the Contender Series. I'll go ahead with Kevin Aguilar here. Um. Barzola, ah, God. I mean, Barzola's had a pretty solid UFC run, all things He's considered. Four or five winning streaks, so this is actually a tough fight. Yeah, this could be this could be pretty tough for you know, for both guys. Um, matchup. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna go with Aguilar here as well, but that that's a pretty tough fight for both guys. Um, at middleweight, Kevin Holland will fight Gerald Mershart. Holland, 14 and 4. He's been in the UFC once, right? No. Yes, he beat John. No, twice. He lost to Tiago Santos. Uh, beat John Phillips. Is this the guy that won't shut up when he's in the cage? Not sure. I think That's it is. Bad, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Um,. Okay, I remember this guy. Yeah, he he won't shut up when he's in the cage. It's kind of amusing. Um, and Mershart. He also lost to Tiago Santos. Coming off the loss to Jack Hermanson. No, I'm going to go with Mershart here, actually. I'm feeling Mershart, but... All right, then on ESPN+, Plus we have Ray Borg versus Kyler Phillips. This is at bantamweight. Um, I'll go with Borg. I don't really have a reason to pick against him against someone I don't know well, anything about. Was, at least Ray Borg's moving up. I don't know what that does for his future prospects, but we'll see. I mean, he always had kind of a tougher time making flyweight, so I'd like he's to see probably, him at bantamweight. So Probably for the best, he's moving up. Yeah. That was never an easy weight cut for him generally. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, go, with, I'll go with Borg there. Uh, Marina Moros will fight Sabina Mazo. Uh-huh. She from Colombia? Oh, there's the Colombian flag. <laughs> My flag knowledge still holds up somewhat. Uh, this is her UFC debut. She's undefeated. Uh, probably lean towards Moroz here. I, But that's... Oh, wait a minute. Moroz on that two-fight lose. Eh, you know what? No, I'll go with Moroz, but that's kind of a crapshoot. Uh... I mean, they, this is lower level women's MMA, so it's possible Mazo is the better fighter who I'm just not deeply familiar with. Uh, we have Alex Perez versus Mark De La Rosa. Perez is this? Is this Turbo? Yeah, he got knocked out by Benavidez, right? 
Oh god, I, I, I thought he had a chance in that fight. I really did. <laughs> no, that was that's that's a different Perez. Excuse me, but still, I mean, I'm thinking of the one I'm thinking of, but I think his nickname is different. Um, Mark De La Rosa lost to Tim Elliott, beat Elias Garcia, beat Joey Sant. Yeah, I'll go with Perez there. And then we have Jessica Aguilar versus Marina Rodriguez. Or did that fight get moved? No, it's not a different position on the card, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Aguilar and Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez is 10-0-1. Uh, fought, fought Randa Marcos to a draw in her UFC debut. I, I vaguely remember that fight. Well, Aguilar has had a really rough go of it lately. <laughs> uh, one and three in her last four, coming off of that submission loss to Zhang Wille. <sighs> ah, screw it. I'll go with Rodriguez. I, I don't know what it is about Aguilar, but I think she might just kind of have peaked at this point. Uh, anyway. Th- hmm? uh, I quacked. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Uh, that will be, again, that's UFC on ESPN2 next Saturday. I will have live coverage in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com, as always. So stop by, say hello if you're so inclined. It's always appreciated. Uh, again, I am hope that main event, man. The thought of that main event is kind of sustaining my existence at the moment. So please hold together, and then please try to kill each other. Uh, I'm, I'm terrible, I know. I know it. Uh, All right, moving on to news. There was a fair bit this week, but let's start with one of the bigger ones, one of the ones that will have the longer-lasting effects, I think. Uh, The UFC announced that in the United States, and this is only for the United States, uh, ESPN Plus, the streaming app, will now be the exclusive carrier of UFC pay-per-views. And pay-per-views are dropping in price by a whopping $5. You're still paying for pay-per-views. You're still paying fair price. However, if you pay, if you pay seventy-nine ninety-nine, you will get half off one pay-per-view event with ESPN Plus. Yeah, Hooray. look, look, that package deal they offered for that is is like hilariously bad. Let me be clear about that. That is one of the dumbest things. Uh, and even though you're pay- you're getting five dollars off a pay-per-view event you're still paying five dollars a month for espn plus right so how is that i mean i i mean if you've cut the cord maybe you're saving money but are you really i don't know i mean that's gonna vary by individual but uh this is a pretty big deal it's a bit i'm not i don't hate the deal i'm not against it it's just the finances, if there was like some sort of package deal where you paid like a lump sum and you got like, say, all the pay-per-views for the whole year, to me, that wouldn't be so bad. But that's not really what we got here, is it, Robert? No, this is just the announcement that if you're in the United States, you can only purchase UFC pay-per-views through the ESPN Plus service. And how, what was the value of this deal? Uh, th- like this the, is, you mean the UFC to ESPN deal? Yeah. Oh, four point something billion, I think. 
No, sorry, I, I'm I'm mis I'm like for the UFC, it's fantastic. If you're yeah, the, the UFC, you made out pretty well here. Yeah, the UFC. Uh, I mean, that deal, the amount of money they got from ESPN, basically, uh, was able to handle the financial burden from the uh, from the WME buyout when that when that ownership transferred because the I mean the interest payments on the loans they had to take were pretty big. Now, according to reports, I think the UFC was trying to get a better revenue split with the pay-per-view providers like DirecTV, etc. for the for the numbered pay-per-view events. They balked and then I think they signed this deal with ESPN Plus. Okay, so here we go. This is from Variety. Um, no, th this is for their ESPN deal. Let's see. Well, I mean, this makes sense for the UFC for a couple of reasons. Okay. Financial, financial terms of the deal weren't disclosed, so we don't really know, but here's, here's what we do have. Existing ESPN plus subscribers will be able to purchase UFC pay-per-view events for $59.99 each. That's compared with uh, previous pricing of $64.99 per pay-per-view. In addition, ESPN is rolling out a new bundled option offering new ESPN Plus subscribers 12 months of the service with one UFC pay-per-view event for $79.99. That's $30 over the baseline annual plan. And, e I mean, that $79.99 deal doesn't sound that great. It's not. Like it's I'm really not going to pay eighty dollars. I'm not going to pay eighty dollars to get one UFC pay per view. Well, it also gets you ESPN Plus for the year. That's that's still not. I mean, that's still not enough. That, that like, oh, no, like again, that that's not blowing my skirt up. Like it, it's really not as far as like finance as far as not offers. In, that's not a great incentive for me to 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 sign in for the whole year. It just isn't. Now, I, I mean, again, for some people it will be. I'm with you. For me, it's not. Um, this makes sense for the UFC for a few reasons. One is just like financial projections. Like if you now, now I will say this. Let's say if they if they made it four to six, then I would be a lot more enticed. When you think that, do you think that's fair? I could see that. Like if WWE, like. Let's say ignore what WWE Network is. Let's say WWE Network came along and they said, and, and they didn't cannibalize their pay-per-view model. Let's say we're going to offer you $4.99 a month, but if you do the subscription plan, you'll get WWE Network for a whole year and, and, and you get, like, say, the big four. Um, to me, that would... If you're into the WWE product, to me, that's a better deal. And you're not just canceling your basically your traditional pay-per-view model. Because that, that did hurt WWE when they started the WWE Network. Yeah, they had a, they had a rough couple of months there. Uh, in this case, I think it's less of an issue with uh, because they're still selling their pay-per-views at basically the same price point but pay-per-view hasn't been doing gangbusters for them I mean, look pay-per-view is always uh you know kind of a feast or famine kind of thing right. but if so, you're a ufc champion in a huge if you're a decently drawn ufc champion and the pay-per-view and the pay-per-view buys the pay-per-view payout 
is a significant chunk of your income, you've got to be a little skittish about this, don't you think? At a minimum, you have to have some questions about it. At a min at a minimum. Because again, a lot of John it, Jones. If you're John Jones and you've recently been pulling in fairly John Jones has been doing fairly well on pay-per-view since he he's came. Done back. So, yeah, his last three fights have done solid numbers. Very good numbers. So that's a that's a very based on what I've read about pay-per-view payouts for UFC champions. It I mean all the hype aside, I, I I'm not sure how well them they'll make out for this. Cause I mean, one thing we don't know what pay-per-view numbers are, but and you still have to pay pay for the pay-per-views with with ESPN Plus. Yes. But here's my problem with ESPN Plus. You're paying for it and you still have commercials. Like yeah, that I again that, that rubs I me the wrong way a little bit too. Not to mention UFC already has their own premium subscription service. Yeah, I I think we all should have seen the writing on the wall the wall when it comes to Fight Pass. Uh, I think it was last year, two years ago. When Fight Pass dead at this point? I mean, I don't know what their numbers it, are. But Fight Pass does okay. But Fight Pass at this point exists to serve like a couple of minor functions. Do we even have fights on Fight Pass anymore? Uh, we don't have any scheduled. I think as of right now, I don't think there's any scheduled. Because Fight because ESPN Plus will now be the exclusive point of purchase for the pay-per-view events in the united states yes in the in the united you know what i mean i do okay um i i, I it, it's hard for me it's just hard for me to put my finger on this i'm Maybe. not let me just say i'm not against the deal at face value i just need to see how it's going to pan out and what's going to come of this yeah, there's like let me see where it is a year from now. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. There's some uh there's a bit of, you know, again, we have to see this in practice because cuz I got to be honest, when I first tried ESPN Plus, I had a lot of problems with it. Yeah, it they fixed a lot some of the user interface kind of stuff recently, so it, it's it's better now than it was I mean, on launch. They, I mean, I mean have they fixed the commercial aspect? Like no, no, that they. I mean, look, ESPN sells advertisement time on their screen on their, for their streaming service. To me, that's not good because you're paying. You're you're paying. You're paying for it. It's a premium to me. It's a premium subscription service, and having ads on that type of service, like you, to me, you're, you're paying not to see ads. Like if you're a fan of anime and you pay for. And you and you buy into the premium Crunchyroll service. That's how you watch it without ads. So it makes no sense to me to buy into ESPN and still get ads. Like that's a big red flag for me. Big red flag. I mean, look it. It's not my favorite thing about the service. I'm not. I'm kind of with you. I'm not a big fan of it. But considering yeah. that. Now, gonna... and look, I'm not a businessman. The, the UFC is not my business. I, I concede that. And, and you know what? Ari Manuel and Dana White have probably done good things in terms of the business ownership and whoever has invested money in the UFC to make good deals and such. But if I w were to really want to 
you know, pat myself on the back and make myself look really good, I would do something huge like, say, raise the, the league minimum for the fighter payouts to something really impressive. Well, that'd be nice, but... Like, because, I mean, it's one thing for Dana White to say this is great for the fighters. Because it, it, it just sounds like him saying a line. I mean, he said that about the Reebok deal, and that didn't exactly turn out to be the most accurate statement. Yeah, so I'm not saying raise it to 100-100, but, you know, maybe don't you think they could raise the league minimum to, say, 50-50? They probably could. 50K. Something like that. Say, say like, every, like every fighter signing a UFC contract, you will start out at 50-50. and 50. I mean, again, they probably could. They're not going to, but they could. Um, don't you think they could afford that, though? I, the, I don't have access to anything approaching the amount of financial information on the UFC that I would need to make that general analysis. Because, I mean, they've got 500-plus fighters on, on the roster already. If you, But to me, call- I think they've got plenty of guys they can probably cut, too. I mean, based on merit, yes, yes. Based on the number of like, fights they have like, to put on I, a year. No offense, but Ross Pearson, come on. I mean, again, like if we're talking about just based on like fighter merit, I agree with you. Yeah. If we're talking about how many fights the UFC has to put on. Right. I don't know. I mean, they need bodies. They And that's kind of just the reality of their situation. They're running about 40 some out of like 42, I think, 43 events a year. Okay. They have. So if you're going to scale back, you're going to be scaling back pretty drastically. We're practically getting a card every week at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. There's what, 52 weeks a year. We're at 40 some odd events pretty consistently. It's it's pretty close to every week. You have 12 on average. So let's call it 12 fights per card. So you guys want to do the math? That's how many fights. They, all, and I'm, then, all I'm saying, I'm not telling Dana White how to, how he should do it. I'm just saying, if you're gonna say it, to me, it's better to show how this is good for the fighters rather than saying it. Because all I'm saying is, it's easy for him to say this is great for the fighters and this benefits the fighters without really giving good. I mean, it, it, it's just a line. I mean, that's literally all it is at this point. That's, I, I mean, I'm not, I, and look, he could be right. I'm just saying he should show it uh, in, a, in a more concrete way. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. I don't, like, I don't know how, I, I like, to, I, I feel like the UFC brain trust could come up with an idea of how to award fighters when deals like this get made, and I think, if they did that, I'm I'm sure there would still be some detractors, but I think it would just say it would be a better way of showing that, you know, we're we're fighter friendly and we're this is good for the fighters and we're doing this for the fighters. It's otherwise, yeah, as you said, it's just it sounds like just a line and it just sound it doesn't sound you know, I'm just trying to see how does this really benefit the fighters. Other than maybe they get more opportunities. With, it's good for them to be on ESPN, yes. 
maybe they they'll get more opportunities and in the long one run through ESPN, but in the short term, how, how is it really great for them? I, again, I think it's just something he says whenever he gets asked questions like this. I think it, I think it's at best kind of a lateral move for fighters because there's only a, there's a small percentage of the fighting roster that gets pay-per-view points. And for them at best, it's a lateral move. I don't think that just not like, I, I'm I mean, I, let me put it like this. I don't think being exclusive to ESPN Plus is going to increase the buy rate for any pay-per-view. We're fi- I wonder, here's the other thing I wonder. Were fighters even notified of this? Like, were the champion? I think at the very least, were the champions notified about this deal? I can guess. What's your no, guess? No. Why would they? <laughs> Hold on. No, no, no. I mean, this in all seriousness. The UFC is under no obligation to inform them of anything. Mm-hmm. Right, if you want to talk about should they based on you know some some kind of moral sense or the way we think that people should interact with each other sure if I'm, I, I think it would have been the right thing to do to talk to the champions at the very least about this deal I agree with you as far as it would under, be the right under, thing. under discre- now under discretion in NDA like and if you like say if you break this NDA we will find you I mean I've signed NDAs before and I've upheld them. I have no, I have no problem with that, and I have no problem with the UFC doing similarly. Uh, I I agree with that. The reason I think they didn't, I think, I think there is a moral obligation to notify champions about a deal like this and explaining to them how it's going to work. I think there is an obligation, but that's that is my purely my opinion. Yeah, they're under no. And when I say they're under no obligation, I mean any kind of like concrete legal obligation oh, to I, do I so. I think that's fair. I but I think I think to make I think to make at least to me it's a cover your bases kind. That's a cover your bases kind of move. Well, I mean, ideally, there's some kind of collective bargaining or association for the athletes involved that is at the table for meetings like this, but fighters don't have that, and that's at this point that's on them. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm not getting on my high horse about yes, it. But. That is on the fighters. Is to me, it's on the fighters as well. Hey, I'm I'm not I, getting on my high horse about this. I'm I'm kind of done with that. I'm just here's here's my. This is the only thing I'm going to say on this. Fighters. Mm-hmm. Look how much money the UFC is making. Look how much money you're making. Look how much every other athlete in every similar situation makes. And that's and the disparity at this point is on you and how you guys are and how you and how they're choosing to proceed going forward. Right. But I mean, again, like we mentioned, again, the well, general it's UFC. The same the, thing. It's the same thing with pro wrestling. Even though that's not even though that's pro wrestling. No, that's true, because uh, professional wrestlers are WWE wrestlers are not employees. They're independent contractors. But, I mean, so are UFC fighters, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I'd, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure on that, but I believe so. I just think... That's, that's on the WWE guys. It's on that, or the, or the collective wrestlers. Um, In a it, lot of ways, yes. And it's the same with the fighters. Yeah. So... 
I mean, honestly, and again, like none of nobody, nobody's in a position to do it for them. And if they won't do it for themselves, then if you're a pro wrestler on WWE, quite frankly, I think you should be granted set like a sad card or something should be. I mean, how are you not sag if you're in WWE? What's the criteria there? I would have to look up what it, what the criteria is for being a member of SAG, actually. Because I mean, you're on a weekly you're on a weekly TV show. You know, I actually and I, I thought about this for a little bit, and I'm not sure what the legal it, benefit it's is. But scripted, you, it's scripted. It's not. It's not sports. It's not. It's not literally sport. No, it it is an entertainment property. Yes. It, it, very athletic one, mind you. I'm not bashing pro wrestling. Yeah, and I, I know, and I know neither are you. Athletically based. Um, but yeah, they. I mean, again, by all by a lot of rights, they probably should be. I genuinely wonder every now and then why, whether or not WWE is acknowledged as. I think part of the reason WWE is left out of a lot of conversations about television like that is that they don't roll. It could be a classification issue. Some of it's that. Some of it is WWE doesn't roll credits. It's murky. It's very murky. Um. Anyway, but yeah, that again, that's a pretty big deal. So just like with wrestling, like it's on them at this point, you know. Again, I can I can talk about the benefits of it, but because look, the UFC has no obligation to set up a fighter union. So why? it's, It's look. It's frankly against their interests. I mean, a union like that exists in healthy opposition to the UFC's interests by representing the fighters' interests. Well, when I say opposition to the UFC's interests, that's not—it's not entirely acrimonious. But the point of a union or an association is to represent the workforce, the labor, and then you on the other side you have management and. Both sides generally want the same goals. You want the company to be prosperous. You want to make money, et cetera, et cetera. But anytime you run into a point where there are conflicts, you have that so that everyone can be represented fairly in those types of financial decisions. And right now, the you know, fighters in the UFC don't have that. All right. I and think again, we- and again, that's on them at this. We've all talked about it basically to death. It, it's something that probably should be there if we're talking about like moral shoulds, but I'm not going to, I can't do it. I'm in no position to organize it. And if the fighters aren't going to do it for themselves, I'm not going to do it for them. All right. Yeah. So now we have the TJ Dillashaw news. TJ yeah. The, the UFC is currently without a bantamweight champion as former bantamweight champion. TJ Dillashaw yeah. was popped by you by i can't remember if they it's new york it wasn't usada well usada usada has they are they are opting out of saying anything right now well okay I'm, okay here's, it, here's what the new york state athletic commission said the new york state athletic commission issued a one-year suspension and a ten thousand dollar fine <laughs> To Mr. Dillashaw for violations relating to use of a prohibited substance. We still don't know what the substance was. We have no further comment. Uh, Dillashaw released his own statement. To all my fans, I wanted to be the first one to let you know that USADA and New York uh, have informed me of an adverse finding in a test 
taken from my last fight, while words can't even begin to express how disappointed I am at this time, please know that I'm working with my team to understand what has occurred and how to resolve this situation as quickly as possible. Out of fairness and respect to the rest of my division, I've informed the UFC that I'll be voluntarily relinquishing my title while I deal with this matter. I want to thank you all in advance for the support. Now, it's not very often an active champion gets stripped of the title like this because of a failed drug test, right? This is very, like, I think it happened with Sean Shirk. It happened with Shirk. When else has this happened other than Shirk and Dillashaw? Uh, Shirk, Dillashaw. um... Uh, Josh Barnett, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe Barnett, um, no, Rico Rodriguez lost and then failed his drug test. So that was, uh, after the fact, if memory okay. serves me correctly. Was Tim Sylvia ever stripped? Um, no, he had a yes, test yes, I believe he was. I'd have to double check that, but I think Sylvia might've been. Okay. Uh, it, it doesn't happen often. That's. That's very true. Very, um, it's very rare in the UFC's relatively short history. It has not happened a lot in the in the last 10, 15 years. I believe what USADA, I believe the statement from USADA was that since TJ released a public statement, they could confirm that they were investigating adverse findings. Okay. So this might not have been a PED. Yeah, we don't, the, the substance in question has not been released. Um it could have been something, so he could make weight. It, yeah, it could have been a diuretic. It could have been... Uh, th- there's a lot of things it could have been. I mean, it could have been a steroid to help him cut the weight. Could it... Now, um... And given how drastic that good, weight he cut... He did not look good at flyweight. He did not look good during his weight cut, quite frankly. No, I mean, given how he looked, just straight up how he looked, I if I had to guess, it would be that it would be something that was aiding his weight cutting process. Uh, it could have, again, it could have been a contaminated supplement there. I mean, there's a, I think there's a video of like the number of bottles and products that he, what like during that. Um, yeah, there was doing that, that like a uh, photojournalist thing about his weight cut. There's a shot of his like um, bathroom or kitchen sink. And it's just covered with these, with uh, supplement bottles and uh, like pills and powders and whatnot. So he might have got a bad batch of something. Not regulated. No, and I mean, look, fighters are and fighters are always rolling the dice whenever they take a supplement because yep. it's an unregulated industry. It is largely unregulated. Yes. Um, uh, I, now, you not... saw. Now Jeff Nowitzki did say they are they are putting out a list um, of their own approved supplements that. If fighters were to take these supplements and they were to find, and let's say they were to fail a test and they were to find something adverse and it was based in that supplement, they would get a get it. They would, in Nowitzki's own words, get a get out of jail free card. If, if, if that, if the governing body in this instance is willing to go to bat for a supplement, then at least that would be consistent with, okay, we bet we went to bat for these people. It's on us. Now, if you fail, and we can prove that it was from this substance. Um, I, mean, to me, I mean, to me, there's a good argument to supplements even really help you. Oh, they do. Okay. Even if it, even if it's purely efficiency, they do. Okay. 
I mean, uh, is there a good argument that supplements are merely placebos? Uh, not really. Again, they do stuff. Like th- there's a there's a okay. chemical procedure in place that does work. And okay. I, again, like I'm by a, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a scientist. I admit. Uh, I mean, by way of example, just for a lot of the reasons that like protein powders used, it's not necessarily that there's. Yeah, I mean, some protein powders wind up having anabolic profiles. Some of that's intentional. Some of it's just accidental. Some of it's whatever. But it's easier to put the powder in some water, stir it up, and chug it than it is to sit down and eat. And you can get the same amount of protein. Well, I think, though, fighter fighters can't just take things and not know what they're putting in their bodies when that's their whole... When that's their livelihood, they can't they can't plead they can't plead ignorance all the time. Now, and again, we don't know what's up with this particular situation, whether or not well, TJ is going to go that way with Dan, it or not. Dana White did talk about this. He said the likely he said the likely fight would be Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Marais. That that is the most, and again, that's the most likely fight. As soon as they announced, as soon as they announced, that's what had I happened. I don't even love that, but it, to me, as long as one of them is Marlon Marais, I don't really care. Yeah, Marais was the clear-cut number one contender. I mean, that whole division had been log-jammed by a, a the immediate rematch between Cody and TJ that was unnecessary, and then TJ's fantastic misadventure down at flyweight. It, again, it log jammed a very good division in bantamweight, and hopefully we well, can move it was beyond gonna, that. The log jam was going to continue because Dillashaw, like a, ch- a petulant child, was campaigning for a rematch against Cejudo at flyweight. It, they would. I don't think they would have done that at flyweight. I think. I think the UFC would have said, "If you want to do it again, do it at bantamweight, and then we get to get rid of flyweight." So, yeah, most likely we're going to get Cejudo versus Marais. They will let Cejudo maintain his title for, through that fight, and then as soon as that fight's done, I think so is that so is Flyweight as a division. Um, in fair, I mean, putting aside some of the drama, if that's the fight that happens, that's a darn good fight. I mean, uh, Marais and Cejudo is a very good I fight on paper. For, I feel sorry for Henry Cejudo if that fight happens. Um, I'm a little. I lean towards Marais, but I've underestimated Henry Cejudo plenty of times, and that man has has he can rise to the occasion. I mean, if if you feel that strongly strongly about him wanting to de- to date Nikki Bella, I mean, whatever. Um, Why was he? Me, wait, I would, uh, I, I would, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? He wants to date Nikki Bella. I don't know why he'd want that train wreck, but all right, good for you. <laughs> that was his big thing. That was his big thing after the fight with Dillashaw. Okay. Uh, I mean, if that, good for you. I, I mean, you just take your shot, Henry, if that's what you want. But. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, I think the best move here is to just hand the belt to Marais. Would be the best thing. I mean, I again, I favor Marais uh, over Cejudo, but I also let me put it this way: I'm done being surprised when Henry Cejudo wins. I'm now, just done. <laughs> White did say he also said, "Oh, here's here's the other thing." Wait, Dana White also said you do Husier Formiga versus Benavidez on the same car. So he's we're keeping the fly. We're, we're apparently keeping the fly. Nah. 
That's a that's look. <laughs> that is nothing but an ass pull. All right. If he says they're gonna do that, that is that's just they're another excuse. Henry's gonna vacate Flyway, and 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 Benavides will finally get his title. We'll finally get his UFC title. No, there's no. I I don't think that's. This is what he told you. This is what he told uh, uh, ESPN. Look, I I may I'm gonna go ahead and maintain that if Cejudo's gonna do that fight, he's there, he's gonna insist on holding on to his belt while he does it, mm-hmm. so he can become a dual champion. So what you? Oh, here's the no no. Here's what you do just for the hilarity, so we can all understand how screwed up this whole thing is. Okay. You do like you do Benavides and Formiga for the interim title. You do Cejudo versus Marais, then. If Cejudo wins, oh god, I don't even think they—I don't even think they want to do it that way, though. I genuinely think they want to get rid of that division, and I—I I think what no, here's what they'll, they're gonna do—they're gonna no, no, they'll—they'll they'll do Formiga versus Benavidez. They'll declare it the number one contenders fight rather than for the for a title, and then after the main event, they'll just kind of go, no, nah, you know what, we don't like. The division doesn't make sense also anymore. If anything goes wrong, one of them can step up and take the fight. Look, no, no. Oh, God, that is so stupid. That is so stupid. You have... But Benavidez has at least, he's fought for the title at Bantamweight. He was a top five Bantamweight. Yeah, but I feel I, I feel worse for Benavidez than I do for Cejudo against Marais. Let me just put it like that. Well, who are you to doubt? Who are you to doubt Joseph Benavides? Someone who's watched his career. Like the man had great fights, and he was a top five guy in a couple yeah. of different weight classes for a long time. Yeah. So, so I mean, respect his respect that career. Yeah, his I respect his career. He had a, he's a, again I mean, great career. That, I, I don't think he has much of a chance against Marlon Marais. All right. Frankly, I don't think so. I don't I think, think he has, Quite frankly, I think he has a better chance against Marais than Cejudo does. No. Uh, I I do not believe that to be oh, accurate. Um, honestly, I don't even I don't even think Cejudo deserves this shot, Robert. <sighs> Normally, I'd agree, but but, but um, I, the mitigating circumstance here is Marais has beaten like three of the other top five guys. He's already beaten them decisively. Okay. I mean, I mean, the next most deserving contender that's available would be I mean, a rematch yeah, between him and Sterling. And he beats Sterling. And who else is there? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, again, if there were another top bantamweight ready to go right now, I'd be then I would agree. Like, sure, Dumerice and whoever. All right. Well, but there's not. <laughs> to me, you want to book honestly. This could be a, this could be a good thing for the division because if they if they were actually gonna book Cejudo versus Dillashaw in a rematch, that would have been ridiculous. Oh, they were gonna do it. They were just gonna do it at bantamweight. But even just booking that rematch at all was was dumb. Okay, the first fight was dumb. <laughs> all right, and the rematch would have been just as dumb, if not dumber. Yeah, I agree. So now, I mean, look, Marais was the guy who should have been getting the title shot. Yeah. All things going well, this is the title. He'll at least get his title shot and and the title now. 
So in theory, if he wins, he'll get the title. He's at least getting the shot that he's, he's that he's earned. I think he's getting the shot that he earned. I think a long time ago, a, so. about a year ago, he was. I think deserving of a title shot. <laughs> I agree with you there. Okay, so if I'm Arise, I'm not fighting again unless it's for the UFC title. It's that simple. Yeah, I I want Marais in the title as half of that equation. I and again, I if they do Marais and Cejudo, I favor Marais. Now I didn't get to talk about it uh, last week. I think we we had known about Max Holloway versus um, Dustin Poirier. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to just kind of some. Yeah, they've they'd yeah. announced that a while ago. Uh, you might have been out of the just that kind of came out when you were again that one of the times that we couldn't quite fix the scheduling, but we've had a lot of fight announcements recently. So if you want to talk for a little bit about Holloway and Poirier, go ahead. I mean, well, after that, we had that whole business with Tony Ferguson. Uh, thankfully he does seem to be getting the help that is required. His wife, I don't again, know what's going on with him or what happened. Um, I hope honest. I mean, I hope it's not head trauma related. So. Based on what's been said, again, I'm not going to say head trauma is not a factor, but it's, again, based on reports, this seems as likely to be some kind of just other mental health issue as opposed to full-on, like, CTE symptoms. Mm. He's uh, His wife said, well, like, when a lot of the, when some of the reports were coming out, his wife made a very public statement that uh, Tony had never been violent with her or anyone else, as far as that what goes. So this time? No, no, he, this was not, again, he was not abusing, he was not abusing anyone. He, they were, she was concerned for his safety, but he was not. Cause I was, so, so the, the rumors that this, this was a domestic violence related issue. Were it was in- a, dom- it was a domestic disturbance. Okay. Not a domestic violence issue. Uh, I, I, I think, I mean, I think that, I think the closest thing that they said to anything approaching violence was he like splashed holy water on her. I mean that that's I mean that to me that's borderline abuse. That's very it, I, don't get me wrong. It's some that to some that even be abusive. To, by some people's definitions of domestic assault abuse. Don't you agree? I don't I'd have to look I mean, up the I mean, specific I mean, language. I'm not saying the, you have to agree, but by some by some margins, don't you think? I mean there are some people who think that leaning in for an unwanted kiss is sexual assault. People are weird. All right. Well, it's Look, very- I, I, I'm prepared to take her at her word in this instance when she says there was no violence or abuse, that she's just worried about his health. I can believe he's he's a I mean, he's always come off as a as a sort of weird guy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of fighters are kind of weird. They're kind of, just you know, that's why they're fighters. Right. They're kind of wired differently than you and me. Yeah. You know, it's just a little something- bit. <laughs> but. So he, see, he seems to be getting the help that he needs. The UFC is helping him get it. And at the moment, everything seems to be trending in the right direction as far as that goes. So some good news to come out of that. So hopefully you he... know how I feel about Tony Ferguson, right? Yeah, we, you and I both big fans of Tony's. I mean, so, yeah. So whatever it is, I hope. I hope he will be more than anything. I hope he's going to be OK. And he and his and his marriage and his family will be okay. That's what I hope. Secondarily, I hope he will be able to fight again. Yeah. And this won't destroy his career because he is one of my favorite fighters. But um, yeah. if he has I to stop fighting heard- to 
live a happy, healthy life, then I wish him Godspeed. I, I mean, your family comes first. I, I mean, do hope he gets well enough to fight again because I love watching his fights. Just, I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what this is, you know. And I hope it's something mental health related and not, and I hope it's not because of head drama, um, or quick or kind of quicking because of head trauma. But I'm not a mental, I'm not a mental health expert, and I'm not a doctor, but it's very concerning nonetheless. So I hope he will be okay. All right. Uh, further in the fight announcement news, um, UFC, their debut, or not their debut, but their return to Ottawa. This would be May 4th. Mm. Uh, fight Night 150 got its main event. Uh, at lightweight, Rage and Ally Aquinta versus the Cowboy Donald Cerrone. What happened to Cerrone versus McGregor? Who knows? Conor McGregor ha- Conor I mean, McGregor right, got arrested. Here's another, here's another big problem. Do we really need this nonsense of only title fights main eventing pay-per-views? Like, come on. I don't know. I mean, again, they don't... At this point, there's there's actually... At this point, we've reached a position where the data is so it skewed because of their behavior. But Adesanya versus Silva was not a title fight. Yeah, but that was all A that didn't do well on pay-per-view and B that was a la- that was a literal okay. last minute thing. But I mean, why why does I mean, and this happened before the ESPN deal? And even, oh, yeah. But I mean, why do they think they have to have it this way? They probably have some kind of internal data that indicates that based, by and large that sells better. But based on what? Sales records. They have access I, to how much their how much pay-per-view buys they get for an event headlined by a title fight versus that, headlined by a non-title fight. pointless interim title fight really help that much more? You, do you think, do you believe that? I mean, the issue is... Do you, do you believe it? Me? I don't know. I, I, look, I am woefully out of touch with what generates interest amongst casual no, MMA right, fans. All right, well, here was, here was the argument I presented on Facebook. If it means that much, just create your extra little vanity title for McGregor. Is it really that? Would it really be that stupid if they did that? No. I, again, we had this discussion a few weeks ago, and I thought my opinion stands. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have Conor McGregor on a card, there's only a handful of fights that you could believably put in the main event above him, none of which are available right now. They Everyone's going to be there to watch Cowboy and Connor. Put, put them in the main event. They put both the Diaz fights in the main event in 2016. Yeah. In non-title fights. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, granted, the, those were almost, one was three years ago and one was almost three years ago, but they still did it in, two, in relatively recently. Yeah, but that was, again, there was none between those fights and then the Silva Adesanya one. And I think prior to those, you had to go back to, like, Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz. Dan, but what about, okay. Like, it it just... When was Silva Silva versus Diaz? I don't know. Do you want the number or the year? Okay, so January 2, 2015... So about a little over a year late. So it was it was not that long. It was not that long, Robert. We've had three instances of this over the last five years, four years. Okay. Considering you're running 
Okay, so over a four-year period, there's 40-some-odd pay-per-views, and you're, ta- you're talking about less than 1% of all pay-per-views over the last four and a half years, give or okay. take. Less than 10%, excuse me, my math was off. Okay. I moved the decimal place wrong. You're talking about a very small fraction of all pay-per-views, and I think, a lo- and I mean, here's the other thing about that, at least when Connor and Nate had their couple of fights. Connor was a champion. So I'm just saying that they they were not title fights. They were non-title fights. I know. And I would look, I'd rather just throw Connor and Cowboy in your main event because they're the main event. They're going like, they're the fight that's drawing the most interest. They're the fight that everyone's there to see. Put them in the main event. That that's my take on it. Was Mendes versus McGregor for an interim title? Yes. Okay. That was for the interim featherweight title after Aldo had to pull out with his uh, rib injury. Uh, all right. So, just, so if it's that important, make it for – look, they created a featherweight division when there's basically no real featherweights other than Cyborg, right? Yep. And there are very few, And there are very few fights in that division – and very few fighters in the UFC at that division at all. You would agree, right? Oh, yeah. I pro- in another eight months, it probably won't exist in the UFC. At least, at least, if you were to add a 160 or 165-pound division, let's say, um, let's say a 165-pound division, Robert. Sure. Um, welterweight at least has bodies where... I do not think it would murder the division if they were to add a weight class in between lightweight and welterweight. Wouldn't you agree? That is, if you're going to add a weight class, that's the one to add because lightweight and welterweight can both populate it and both divisions are robust enough to be okay with a bunch of guys leaving. And then you get, you get Cerrone's title fight. You give possibly give McGregor a third belt to me. He might win that fight, quite frankly. Exactly. So to me, <laughs> I'd actually, you know what? I would favor him over so Cowboy. What are the co- so so so? Tell me in that in this in this hype. Now, granted, this is a hypothetical scenario. I present. What are the cons in that hypothetical scenario? Tell me. For the you're U- a- UFC, for the UFC, you're, you're acquiescing to Conor McGregor. So what? You, I mean, you've are, the, I, I mean, the UFC practically bends over for him more often more often than not more often than not i agree and look you ask what the downside is for them i think that's it i think they're sick of being leveraged by connor acquiescing acquiescing would be giving him giving him ownership shares to fight in the co-main event they were were never going to give him ownership that's what i that's what i mean that that would be fully acquiescing to him they are in a position now to exert leverage on connor for the first time in he, years, and they're he, going to try and do it. He took part in one of the worst events I've ever seen around the sport in assaulting fighters in, in the bus off and, hours. Yeah, and went on to have the highest selling pay-per-view in UFC right. history. Right. So so to me, to me, like the argument of acquiescing to him is it it, it it's look, if you want to argue that that it's a non-starter. It's not even it's a flimsy illegitimate, invalid argument. 
No, it's an it's an argument based solely and exclusively on power dynamics. It's just about on we have, you know, Hold on. My problem it, is on power dynamics. They have ceded way too much to McGregor already. If so, your argument is that that ship has sailed, then I mean, I'm not sure. No to, what reason, to, to me, there's no reason not to do that. If if, if that because <coughs> because that was a good matchup, the fans were into, and now we now we have McGregor versus Iaquinta. Which do you even care about? That cowboy versus Iaquinta. Cerrone. Yeah, I'm down for that fight, sure. I'm down for it, but I mean, now now we're in a situation where so, now, now like McGregor's challenging everyone to a fight every week. He's promising everyone rematches, and he never fights. And it's insane, and it's making me angry. Look, if you want to be angry at Connor, be angry at Connor. I'm, I, I don't know angry. what else to tell you. <laughs> I am angry at Connor. I mean, look, here's the other thing that happened as far as that why that fight might have fallen apart. Connor got arrested last week. That that arrest though is like to me that that is like a drop in the bucket compared to his other major transgressions. I I don't disagree with that, but Again, like I gonna, like he's not going to serve. He's not going to serve any time for that. You no, know? he's not. He's going to pay. A, he's going to pay a nominal fine. He'll plead. He'll plead down to a misdemeanor. Honestly, he'll pay a honestly, nominal fine. I can't even honestly, based on what I've read about that situation, I don't even know if I can blame him for what happened. Uh, I can blame him for destroying someone else's property. I can. I can blame him for being like you know for not. Look, if he just yelled at the guy or whatnot, then sure, whatever. But you you took someone else's property and you destroyed it, and no, I'm even I'm not guy, cool with even that. if the guy was being a, a jerk. Yes. Okay. Congratulations. You don't get to destroy someone's property or physically hurt okay. them. And I know he didn't hurt anyone, but I get to say whatever I want. You don't get to break my okay. phone or well, slash look. my tires. <laughs> That's how this works. Okay. I'm not even as angry about at him about that over some of the other moronic stuff he's done. No, I, 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 I to again, me, like, to me that does to me that doesn't affect this situation at all. Well, I, it I might. Just, to me, there, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a single good reason if you wanted that Cerrone McGregor fight not to just create a new division. You're all, you're also thinking about it like a fan in a lot of respects, and I think the UFC is approaching this from again purely a. There are there are fighters that could probably do well and are probably better served to have a division like that. Sure, as you said yourself, if you were to add add a division, that's the one you have. Yeah, because welterweight and lightweight are two of their most robust divisions, and even if you were to create this title, the chances are most of those fighters there would still be a good amount of fighters to stay at each weight class or a lot of fighters that just move between both of them. Yeah. I think that's I think that's probably what would happen that too. And you get to book another UFC title fight for McGregor, even though he probably doesn't deserve one. Um, but you get him in and you get, you, you haven't, you get a cushing cause you have another UFC title which they're sorely in need of right now if they have this dumb rule that every main event needs a UFC title fight, right? So that means you need, if that's the case, Robert, that means we need you more UFC titles. If there's not enough titles and there's not enough champions. Yeah, and I think, well, I frankly, I'm not sure why the UFC has resisted that division generally. I mean, 
Like, I don't know why Dana White shoots it down when Ben Askren brings it up, for example. I understand that why I they... understand, because it's Ben Askren. Yeah, I mean, again, they've been resistant to that division in particular, and they've again, been, frankly, I'm not sure why. They've been resistant to Ben Askren for... Well, I mean, Askren's not the only guy who's brought that up. A lot of people have. Right. So, I mean... And they, they don't want to do it for whatever reason. I, I That one I don't understand. Well, because th- there's never because there's never been a, a five pound separation, right? It's always at least ten. If they were to do that, I think they would also just bump welterweight up to one seventy five. Maybe I mean maybe we need to do that. I mean I don't think have, that have I one fifty five, one sixty five, one seventy five. Yeah, and then one eighty five and two oh five. Yeah. And I don't think the welterweights would mind having a five pound al- getting an extra five pounds, don't you think? No, and I don't think it. I don't think there's a lot of middleweights that are eyeing that five pounds, going, "Boy, oh boy, if only it was 175." I mean, you'd get a few that would try it, but I don't think it would decimate the middleweight division. Um. Again, I, I'm not. Again, I don't know why they're resistant to that. I, I. I don't get it. As far as the, you know, the whole thing with Connor, I think they're just trying to screw Connor. Well, to me, it's the same thing. Why are you resistant to non-title main events if it's a big enough fight? Because arguably, arguably, a McGregor fight is bigger than any title fight. The vast, it is. If we're talking about you know the pure metrics of it, I think it maybe is. They don't, I, now, now, maybe they don't want McGregor to feel that way. But no, I, they don't. Look again. I think they're but, just trying to exert influence over Connor at this point because but, they think they can and can get away with it. Already, but but you can't you can't have that mindset when you've enabled him this much and they have enabled him way too much. Eh, so, I mean, look, I think that's like, Oh, 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 we're, we're, it's ridiculous. If you're going to enable him that much to, to hold down on that. I'm sorry. Who said the UFC wasn't ridiculous. I mean, you're killing me here, Robert. Uh, you're trying to apply a, uh, a shocking degree of logic to this. Kill, you're you're literally killing me here. Ah, cancer's literally killing you. Don't worry about <laughs> me. Anyway, we have Iaquinta and Cowboy. I, I, thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> we have Iaquinta and Cowboy. Solid main event. Why, why uh, would you say, why would you say that? That hurts my feelings. Eighty percent of men over eighty have cancer. I'm just going to assume you live to eighty, and at that point, that's what's going to do you I, in. I, you know. I'm sorry. Have you ever had cancer? I don't mean to be insensitive. No. I've I've had relatives that have. So. Yeah, it sucks. So have I. Uh, it, it's again also like the primary cause of right. death in society. Right. At this point. Plus, again, why I'm assuming you, you live to eighty, so I'm giving you, you a long lifespan. Why do you have to do that? It was a joke, okay? When I said literally, you were literally killing me. You said literally, so I went to what would, what I thought would I was, being, was likely to I was literally being, kill you. I was being facetious. I don't know. I can read facetious. I can all, I just, I can't help myself, but respond in kind in a lot of respects. Well, anyway, we have Iaquinta and Cowboy. I hope, Good fight. I hope Cthulhu swallows up the world. There hey, you go. Hey, get out of my dreams. <laughs> I also, uh, in, I in also fairness, like, that's, I also like Cthulhu. I mean, it's more an Azathoth thing maybe, than Cthulhu, but. Maybe not, uh, well, maybe not Lovecraft as a person, but he did, he did write some good stuff. <laughs> anyway, again, Cerrone and Cowboy, or sorry, I mean, Quinta and Cowboy, good fight. 
Uh, solid main My event. I can't end that fight if it happens. Really? Yeah. Fair enough. Not that I think, not that I think Ayakinta is world class or anything, but Cerrone isn't either. And and you know I like Cerrone. Yeah. Um, Cerrone, look, I love you. Know I love Donald Cerrone, but you should also know, being the good fight analyst that you are, that Cerrone is beatable, and he always has been, and he's been beatable his entire major MMA career. Yeah, and I'm trying to think about how Iaquinta's game matches up with his now. Because, again, I, I, I wasn't going to go in-depth well. into that. I think it matches up very well. And Iaquinta's a limited fighter, but that doesn't mean bad. That just means limited. It also means that if you can't deal with what he brings to the table, you're in trouble. And what he brings to the table is largely just a I hard, mean, straight right. I, mean, I think we both predicted Kevin Lee to beat him, and he beat Kevin Lee. Yeah. I don't know. He's so low in his stance and so heavy on that lead leg, though, that Cerrone could tear it apart while he moves around the outside with leg kicks. Possible. If Cer- Let me put it like this. If, Cerrone's, if Cerrone doesn't have a mental lapse, I like him in that fight. That's the thing. That's the mental... Cer- he can... Not always, but he tends to be a slow starter. And he has those mental lapses. Yeah. If his head is in that fight, I like him in that fight, but... That's a non-trivial if when it comes to Cowboy at this point. Yeah, that's my point. So, uh, Let's see. We also got... Uh, and it's, Cerrone will always be one of my favorite fighters, but it's just something you always got to worry you, about. With you him. have to bring... I mean, at this I mean, point, you have to bring it up. Leon Edwards beat him, too. Yeah, Leon Edwards is also pretretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, UFC 237 did finalize that Nami Yunus versus Andrade for the strawweight title is going to be the main event for that card. So good fight, good fight, solid coming event. Of- good on Rose going to Brazil for that fight too. Yeah, I mean, not that, not that I'm like Ariel Hawani with she shouldn't take that fight and that's horrible. I mean, look, you're the champion. You don't always, you don't always get to choose the setting. Blah blah blah. It, it won't always be a neutral setting. You know, I've never. I've never subscribed to that notion, but I mean, good honor for doing that. Yeah, that's that's a rough fight for Rose, but it's a good fight. Uh, again, Rousey your comment. Fought, Ronda Rousey fought a, an undefeated Brazilian in Brazil. Yep. Did she, what, did she complain about it? Probably. She did not. She wanted that. She campaigned for a fight in Brazil. So you're wrong, Robert. Sorry. Yeah, I, she didn't complain publicly. That doesn't mean she didn't complain. <laughs> The fans in you know want to know what else the fans in Brazil loved her. Yeah, like uh, pr- like they booed her during the fight, but like before and after they cheered her because they. they, they <laughs> which the, you, which you know fair enough. The fans in Brazil loved Ronda, so there was yeah. no re- there was really no reason for her not to go there. On paper. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm with you generally on that. Um, again, your co-main event for that whole card will be Aldo and Volkanovsky. You know, if this is Jose, somebody brought this up. If Jose Aldo does only have one more fight after this, can we finally get Aldo versus Pettis, please? Um, uh, Aldo might, uh, they said something on ESPN right now about Aldo having some sort of injury. Uh, I hope it's not serious. Um, As of this moment, that fight is still on, but we'll keep an eye on that. Dana White said that was the first he had heard about it when he was talking to ESPN. I forget what it was. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. 
see. Hospitalized with bacterial infection in Rio. Uh, how far oh. out are we from that event? This happened on Friday. This that's case- May 11th. Ah, there it- might he might. That's that's over a month. That's like, uh, again, it's a month and a half or so off. According if it doesn't take a turn for the worse. cast out in Analdo's ability to meet Volkanovsky on May 11th. Since there would need to be a vast improvement in his condition over the next week in order for him to be cleared by doctors. Well, I I hope let me put this. I like that I'm torn on that fight because I like the fight on paper. I don't like that Aldo is probably knocking off the next best honestly, featherweight contender. Honestly, I think if that fight gets called off, I think it's good. I can live without it. Um, I get it. Thing. I would not good if you're Volkanovski and you really wanted that fight. It might not be good. Oh, he he was campaigning for that fight. He thinks I he mean, can win. I mean, I mean that I can understand, but I think I did not love the idea of making that matchup. Now, no, I, I I think I was on the same page as you with that. I just I don't want Aldo in one of his in his. I don't want Aldo's last three fights to be him knocking off the next generation of up and coming featherweight talent. That's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty rough statement for the division, unless you're Max Holloway. Hey, look, Aldo's still good. I mean, he's proven that since the losses to Holloway. He's still a very, very good fighter. Look, quite he ran right. into the guy who's better than him in Holloway. Right. It's the best he's looked in years. Yeah. And he, he's looked better as a, he's looked better as a non-champion than he did as a champion. He's been more exciting as not as non-champion than as champion. I, I, I stand by what I said. Fair enough. I don't take back a word. Uh, the UFC's debut in Rochester got its main event. When Aldo was champion, he was putting people to sleep. And, and by people to sleep, I mean the audience. Uh, Fight Night 151, again, the UFC's debut in Rochester, got its main event at welterweight. Rafael Dos Anjos will fight Kevin Lee. So Kevin Lee's moving up. Yep. Uh, Good fight. At at 165, make welterweight 175. That's your salute. That's your, to me, that's your compromise. I would be okay with it. They need more champions. They need more belts that, you know... Guys need guys 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 at lightweight and, and welterweight need another option because it's just too much weight. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. That, I mean, again, Dos Anjos and Lee specifically would be, I think, near the top of the heat at, heap at 165. This would probably benefit from that as well. Pettis, uh, Masvidal, Connor, Connor, Cerrone, Cerrone. There's a, again, there's a lot of guys that would absolutely benefit from that. Charles Oliveira. Sorry, I just had to make the joke. It would it would probably give a bunch of guys like a whole new lease on their careers. Even. At least a, at least another chance. So anyway, Dos Anjos and Lee is your main event for that as of right now. Uh, again, good fight. There's once some- again, there's not a single good reason to do it at this point. If you would just welterweight, add one sixty five. You're you're. I mean. Unless you're that slavish to the weight to the weight classes you have, which they, they might be now. Now look, haven't they changed weight classes before in the old days? Uh, I mean, way back in the day, yes. But they haven't for a long time. All they've done is add a few here or there, but they I haven't. Think, I mean, look, 
I mean, the sport's going to have to change in some ways at some points, don't you think? Yes, I would absolutely sports believe so. Change. I mean, I mean, maybe the, the the changes are cosmetic and minor, but they do change over time. Yep. I mean, ob- arguably, we should have a lot of rules that need to be changed. Still, we do. Oh, we do. We absolutely so, have rules that need to be adjusted. And I think didn't didn't the athletic commissions don't they aren't they okay with th- this idea? Because most uh, here's the thing: most athletic commissions have wait. Now, granted, I, I'm sure there are some idiotic fighters that, as you said, would try to go and have drastic weight cuts. There always are. Like that's not um, gonna, like, that's not going to change. You're not going to fix weight cutting by adding more divisions. That will never be the solution. That Lee Dos Anjos fight, though, that's a tough fight. That is that. Uh, both guys are very, very talented grapplers. Dos Anjos has had a couple losses, but he's still Dos Anjos, and and I mean Lee didn't look great his last couple of fights, but right. he's also still Kevin well, Lee, and so Anjos. I mean, look, Dos Anjos took Robbie Lawler apart once so i mean that blew yeah me. but i don't know i mean two things about that kind of stick out to me as i rewatch that fight one is how undersized dos anjos is and credit to him for overcoming that but he is small for the division and but I mean, wouldn't lee, lee lee would have the same thing if he's moving up don't you think uh against the other welterweights yeah i think he's a little bit on the shorter side but he's got but a freakishly long dos wingspan but against dos anjos what do you think I think he's bigger than Dos Anjos. It's a tough call. It is. It's a good fight in that respect. Uh, the rest of that card is still you know, very much in flux, but... I like, uh, it's, it's a decent matchup, though. That, that's I mean, a solid enough main event. It just seems to be another reason why you want to add the new division now. And look, Dana White many times has said he's not going to add these new divisions, and he does anyway. Yeah, well, uh, again, we'll see. <laughs> Flyweight and women's featherweight being two of them. Well, women's featherweight will be going away in the near future, but... So, so you say. I mean, there's no right. reason to keep it around. It's going point. away, but it's still it's around now, and he still added it when he said they were never going to do it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, again, I don't know why they are consistently resistant to, again, some weight class in between lightweight and welterweight, because it makes sense in a lot of ways, but... Uh, I believe they announced Smith versus Gustafson as the main event for uh, Fight Night 152. That will be in Stockholm. Oh, oh, that now it's official. It was being, be- now it's official. I guess I don't know. I mean, I've seen some conflicting things about that. So I don't. Again, that's still that's still what they wanted. Yeah, it's a sensical matchup if they make it. Um, well, I, I know Corey Anderson was complaining about that. Uh, have a watchable fight, Corey. Then we can talk. <laughs> uh, 238 still does not have a main event, but it did add Tai Tuivasa versus Blagoy Ivanov to the card. That could be fun. Uh, no. maybe, not a great, maybe not a great, like a great technical fight, but it could be a fun fight. Uh, I hope it ends quickly. I put it like that. Uh, for the record, fight ends quickly. For the record, that card also has uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I for Shevchenko's flyweight title. Uh, but there is no... I don't think that'll be the main event. We do not yet have an official main event, but 238's not until June, so there's a lot of moving pieces still as far as that goes. Uh, 
Dana White indicated the UFC is looking for Usman versus Colby Covington to be Usman's first title defense. Makes sense. Uh, I mean, Colby's the number one contender. Usman's the champion. Make the fight. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. I think it's... There are some questions about each guy that that fight will answer. So I'm curious to see how that will play out. Uh, UFC announced... I think they announced the location for Fight Night 153 will be in uh, South Carolina. This will be their first visit to the state. A uh, few fights have been announced, but those are bottom end of the card f- kind of fights. So we're still waiting on, you know, the main card kind of to be announced. But we have a location and a date that will be June twenty second. Uh, and I think that's it as far as major fight announcements over the last week. Did they? Uh, they're fleshing out their. Um, the return to Russia. We know Volkov versus Overeem is the main event. They're yeah, they've they've uh, put together the majority of that card that they're still just kind of finalizing a few things on. So there's that, and uh, I think that's it as far as again major fight announcements. So was there anything else in the news we wanted to touch on? Trying to. CM Punk is still training MMA, according to Anthony Pettis. It's a good way to stay in shape. <laughs> I, I don't mean that sarcastically either. I mean, I don't expect CM Punk to ever fight again, but still if, good, it's if, still if you like training, go for it. It's still a good line, nonetheless. Uh, Frank Shamrock was apparently under investigation for le- leaving his dog behind, I think, at an airport or something. Uh, nuts to you, Frank. Um... That's that's a dirty. Is that thing. is that is that possibly possibly unintentional, or did he? You think he did that on purpose? I think he came out and said it like he doesn't like it, but it ha- but it couldn't be avoided, like something to that effect. I mean, I'm look, man, I'm not cool with that. If you got a if you have a pet and you can't you lose the ability to take care of it, find someone else to take it. Don't I mean, that's, abandon that's it. That's your responsibility, right? Yeah. So, not cool, Frank. Not cool. Uh, but, yeah, again, other than, again, we had a few big items, but not a whole lot of, you know, individual news. Just some pretty major things that came out over the last week. So, if that's everything, let's get into plugs. Uh, yeah, I, here's one more thing. Okay. Michael Bisping. Uh, oh, yeah, I talked about that last week, but by all means, give your thoughts. Um... Is it wrong that I think Bisbing is deserving of a Hall of Fame s- slot? In uh, I, I think it's. I think it's probably deserved, all things considered. He he's still Britain's first and only UFC champion. You know, he was pre. He he's pre, he practically built the sport in 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 England. Don't you agree? He was. Uh, I would agree that he was the most popular figure. I would also agree that he was the key was the, figure that allowed the UFC the to run face. there successfully. He was the face of British MMA. Don't you agree? Yeah, that I'd agree with. I think. And he pretty much opened up the sport. It. it he pretty much opened up the sport. Uh, he opened up the region for the UFC, but there was. I mean, MMA had already existed in yes, the UK. Yes, but he made it. 
he he really made it take off. And I think I don't think that's opinion to say that. Don't you agree? No, again, he's absolutely a very key component in that success. Now, I think I, I guess George St. Pierre. What's the record for most wins in the UFC? Is it GSP now? Um, I think he and Bisping are tied, but I could be mistaken. But I think he was the first to break to break the record. He's a few rec- probably a few other minor records, but I think no, no, he, no, he and GSP are like at the top of that division. It's right. at the top of that record. It's a, it's non it's a you know, it's a big market of. I mean success. that that counts for that counts for something, right? So yeah. Um. I think he's deserving. I, I think he's deserving the spot. Spot maybe not. Uh, maybe not. For, I think just winning the title and becoming Britain's first UFC champion counts for something. Um, had a and had a very long and successful career. Yeah. I mean, arguably, he had success even without being champion, but he finally um, put the cap on his career by winning the title. That had eluded him. His entire career up up to that point. So, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I support. I support the decision. I think. Now look, was is Bisbing the best fighter of all time? No. Is he my favorite fighter? No. But I think he deserves the spot. I think he did. He was a standout fighter, athlete, and and he pretty much built the sport in England for the UFC. All right. On that note, let's go ahead and get into plugs because I you've been off for a few weeks, and I know you have stuff you wanted. To, you already mentioned your interview with, uh, well, Vince Russo. Sorry, my mind blanked there for a minute. But again, it's been a few weeks. So, what do you got to plug? Well, I want you to check out that exclusive interview we have with Vince Russo. You can check out the audio now. The full interview in the audio will be available in the Wrestling Zone. I, I imagine later tonight at midnight and then uh over in movies tv uh check out my review of made in abyss journey's dawn it's getting a theatrical release this week uh check out so hang on what is that as far as that how how much of that is related to the is that a standalone from the anime series or is that compilation recap it's a first of two compilation recap movies if you're familiar with the anime series it's the first of two compilation recaps um, originally adapted from the manga of the same name. Uh, but, I mean, obviously new animation looks really good on the big screen. If you have the chance to see it, I would recommend it. If you like that story. Um, Careful, that will break your heart in a couple of places, guys. Just it's heads very, up. Very well done. Uh, Made in Abyss is very, it's surprising, despite how it looks, it's surprisingly very emotional and also very... Uh, yeah, uh, there's some darkness. <laughs> it's not cutesy. It's, it's surprisingly dark and intense in places. Very, and it really mess. It messes with your head. Um. Also, my uh, review of the Blu-ray of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Not my, still not my favorite Spider-Man movie, but a good uh, Spider-Man movie nonetheless. Check out my review of that, Captain Marvel. Uh, this week I will be reviewing Dumbo. I can confirm that. I can confirm that we will also have an, a, uh, an official review of Avengers Endgame. Disney already sent me the invite for that, so I can say that. Um, and it will be spoiler-free. 
my review of Krypton. Um, I'm not a big fan of Krypton Robber, but I mean, I guess, I guess I can see why. I mean, it's sort of doing okay. Um, have you ever have you ever seen Krypton? Nope. All right, it's a it's a prequel Superman series, so. Maybe if you like Gotham, you'll like that. Check out my review. Oh, no. No, no, no. I, I can't stand Gotham. All right. Well, I have a Blu-ray review of that as well, so maybe check that out. I'll also be going to WonderCon this week, so look out for some stuff from that, hopefully. Um, so those are the major things to look forward to. And check out that big Vince Russo interview, the full interview, once it gets released uh, this very within the next uh, couple of days. So it's quite... It was quite the occasion. And bro, uh, I, I can confirm, since people are asking, bro was said many times, not by me. All right. As for me, you can find me again Saturday. I will have coverage of UFC on ESPN2. So stop by and say hello in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. This Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood, Mark Radlitz returns from vacation and he's going to put me through hell. Uh, Mark, we, he and I will be reviewing the uh, the dirt, the Motley Crue dramedy musical biopic thingy on Netflix. Um, is, yeah. hmm? is the dirt any good? I haven't seen it yet. I'm gonna watch it, it either tonight or tomorrow. Getting a lot of buzz on social media for some reason. I know a lot of uh, Mark liked it based on some of the things he and I have talked about briefly. I know at least three other people who had very, very positive things to say about it. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I will see it and formulate my opinion after I have seen the entire thing. So speaking of Netflix, there's this like low budget Bumblebee knockoff on there called AXL or Axel, which oddly enough, has Thomas Jane in it, so yeah, that was a uh, um, that was released uh, in theaters, I think, last year. Was it two years ago? Theaters? Yeah, yeah, I I I, yeah. I I remember that. It's like I I want to say that's I might be confusing it with something else, but I'm pretty sure that actually got like a theatrical release briefly. I could be again. There's there's every possibility I'm confusing this property with something else that has a similar look and similar like three letter title, but. Oh, and I think you're right. I think it actually was released in theaters. Yeah, that's that's like the the dog. Bear. It's a military weapon that breaks yeah. out and the dirt bike kid finds it. This one, I totally miss this in theaters, but... And no, you, you dodged it. That's not a miss. That's Well... <laughs> you avoided. I feel like I should have known a movie like this was in theaters, but... I was like, Thomas... Like, I like Thomas Jane, but man, his film career... He makes some odd choices. <laughs> I, th I feel the same way about Jake Gyllenhaal, like talented actor, but man, some of those choices. At least he's got, at least you've got Mysterio and Spider-Man to look forward to. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Oh. Why not? Jake Gyllenhaal's involved. <laughs> like, you like, I, you like Jake Gyllenhaal. I respect his ability. That does, but his name attached to a project has me more leery at this point than excited. Oh, okay. okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Again, again, if we're just talking about his acting ability, great actor, hundred percent. Chooses odd roles, and is, and I'm just, I'm also not personally that big of a Spider-Man fan in general. So why do you like Captain Marvel? Uh the whole thing was just mad. Is it because you're? Is it? Is it because she's a woman? 
I could not possibly care less. It's because she's a woman, isn't it? I, once again, could not possibly care less. So why didn't you like it? I thought it was badly edited, especially the action sequences. I thought the flow and narrative, such as it was, was a lot of... Uh, I dismissed so much of that movie after I saw it. Uh, sorry, Mike, what I thought about it, because I already not, reviewed it. It's not quite as memorable as better Marvel outings, I would it, say. A lot of it is just there. Like it just it exists. I wasn't okay. I wasn't all that into Brie Larson's performance. I thought I don't know if that's her or the writing or the direction or what combination thereof. But she, I didn't feel like she as a character had an arc. She's the same person basically from start to finish. You know what I did not like about the movie? What? The interpretation of the Skrulls. I can see that. It's a very... Hmm. It's not necessarily the way they... they inter- but it's a very... I was very... Uh, let's just say I was very underwhelmed by how they interpreted the Skrulls. And the Kree for that matter. I, just for example, Ronan the Accuser is in the movie. Ronan the Accuser, to me, he's your villain. That's your villain. Yeah, but then she would have had to kill him, and then he couldn't be in Guardians. No, she doesn't. Ha- no, she doesn't have to kill him at all. Because because these characters these characters interact dozens of times in the comics, and there's no killing involved. She could have just said, "I." There doesn't have to be killing. No, I, I agree. They could have done more with him. I wasn't terribly interested in Jude Law's performance. Jude Law was fine, but I mean, he didn't have a lot to do. A, a no, lot to do. I'm, again, some of that's on him. Some of that's on the writing. I, I just, there was a lot about the movie that just it kind of existed. It was very paint by numbers, more than it, as much as anything else. I just, I wasn't all that interested in the whole you're thing. Not, you're not on board with the idea of of. Captain Marvel being the new lead of the MCU. I'm prepared to wait and see how Endgame plays out as far as that goes. Uh, it's entirely possible that the writing of the character in that property winds up changing my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this were my introduction to the character and they were going to then put position her as the new leader, it's, it's a lot of meh. Goose the cat. Or maybe... Uh, what about him? What about Goose? What about what about Goose? You dislike Goose. I have nothing against the Florkin. Are it's, you are you sure? It's I mean it's it's a moderately amusing gag on occasion. What I, about the what about the ga- the major gag involving the Florkin? Which one? Uh the the really big one involving another character. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I didn't laugh at anything in that whole movie, but I kind of chuckled at that. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I, I again, I, I can appreciate a good subversion of expectations, and okay. the way that played out, like, okay, I can live with that. Like, it didn't really bother me, but I can see it annoyed a lot of people on Twitter, but then again, yeah, it's people Twitter, on Twitter is... Uh, <laughs> Twitter is to, Twitter is to me is the anus of the internet. So sorry, Twitter. It's I'm not. not in fairness sorry, to Twitter, sorry, Twitter, it's not that bad because I've seen some dark corners of the internet. 
Uh, but Twitter's Twitter the dark. It, to me, Twitter is the darkest corner. Uh, it's not. It's really not. It is. You ever been on 4chan? Twitter is worse. Twitter is not worse than 4chan. Tw- Twitter has become worse. And no. Well, again, Twitter's got problems. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't, but. Again, there are. I, I think that. Yeah, are- I know. I know about Fortune. You know. You know what? How I handle that? I just don't go to Fortune. Okay, it still Twitter, exists. Twitter, though, is pervasive because everyone's on Twitter now. I mean, is Twitter like the most publicly accessible dark corner of the internet? Then, yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think it's the darkest. Okay, fair enough. Well, All I right. I appreciate the talk about this. So, even though uh, we're no a uh, podcast. Now, speaking of Captain Marvel, for those of you who haven't heard, again, Mark Radulich, myself, um, Alexis Haina, and David Wright got together to talk about it a few weeks ago. You can find that in the archives if you want my full thoughts on that. So, by all means, check that out. Uh, that's going to be it for us. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Always appreciated. On behalf of Jeff, I'm Robert. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.